Welcome to another episode of Collector's Quest. This is it, the big one. We haven't done one in a while. It's so you want to collect for the Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo is very near and dear to my heart. But before I go into why, I want to just give you a moment. If you don't know what the So You Want to Collect episodes are, it's where we take a system, we talk about how to collect for it uh, as as set collectors would. And, you know, if you are want to collect for the system, even not as a set kind of what the ins and outs are. We give a high-level overview. On this episode, we gave a little bit too much detail. We also made a few mistakes, and I don't like our formatting a little bit. I want to change it for next time. So about the formatting, we kind of put too much of the obscure stuff up front, and we should have had the meat and potatoes there. So just get through that to get to the meat and potatoes of the episode. Also listen for those editor's notes from Tyler, because they are important. It hurts me that we made those mistakes, as this is my favorite system. But what are you going to do? Here we are. So if you haven't gone out and listened to the How I Got My Super Nintendo episode, you can go listen to that, and that will tell you why Super Nintendo is important to me. It's not important to this episode, but if you wonder why I'm like so amped on this episode, this is the reason why. So here we go. Here's the show. Welcome back to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler here with Johnny and Stefan, and uh, you guys can say something, and then I want to go into what I'm thinking. Johnny, do you have a non sequitur? Because I was actually trying to think of one, and like just nothing was coming up that was entertaining to me. Nope, I got no non sequiturs today. All right, let me talk about a crisis in my life, guys. Um, that crisis is called Midway Arcade Classics 1 for the Xbox and PS2. So... Not even that long ago, like what, two or three episodes ago, I was talking about the one thing that defines a game to me is it has a different title. So World Class Track Me Stadium Events, they're the same game, different titles. I count them separately. Screw publisher variants, screw all that. Those are all just variants to me. Midway Arcade Classics 1 is the re-release of Midway Arcade Classics on the Xbox and PS2 because they started numbering them. They're like two and three. So they went back and what, renumbered the first one. Isn't it on GameCube 2? And GameCube, whatever. Uh, no one has this on their list. Like, I think VG Collect has it separately, but their lists are all f***ed up. And like, intuitively, that's obviously a variant, but by the world-class track meet stadium events rules, they're two separate games. And I think like the, the software is exactly the same. There's not even like a different title screen or anything. And I don't know what to do, Johnny. I'm in free fall and I'm just, I, my lists... How do I how do I make my lists whole again, Johnny? Just put them both on there and just forget about it. Yeah, I'm really confused as to where the drama is. The drama here. is I want I want consistent rules that I can apply to every console on what counts as part of the set. And with bullshit like this, I don't know what to do. Because I agree that this probably shouldn't be its own game, but then that also makes me want to go back and just say World Class Track Meet is just a stadium events variant. Like, it makes no sense to have those as two separate games. Agree. If if consistency is a thing you're looking for, perhaps this hobby is not for you. What is, like, Chavez 2 and Boxing Legends <laughs> of the Ring, though, are those variants or are those two separate games? 
two separate games. So Madden two and separate, Espanol, like games on Xbox what 360 Spanish Maddens, are those separate games or variants? Those I'm trying are to lead him in, Johnny. I'm trying to lead him in. Know. It's just not working. No, what? no idea. All right. I just I like starting an episode with a good does it count. And hey, uh, <laughs> uh, BT Dubs, there there is a variant of that there for the Midway for uh, Arcade Classics one. There is uh, they standardized like the font after two and three re- were released, and there's like a yellow covered variant. No, I'm not a fan of that. That's weird. I didn't even know that. I don't mm, think. Yeah, there you go. That's on Xbox too, because I haven't seen that. I don't, I don't know if it's on Xbox. It's definitely on GameCube. Well, that's huh. some good info for a game that nobody even cares about or thinks about. I was excited by those when they came out, so I, I bought them. And then I was mad when they fixed like the font. I was like, I was mad when the second one released and they didn't like line up exactly on the shelf. I was like, I hate when. Uh, <laughs> like when sequential things do that and then they came back and fixed it and i was like all right now i'm gonna go spend 20 more dollars wow this is uh this is the most boring opening i've ever fucking heard jesus god nope we're gonna cut that too and we're yep. going to get right into our topic so you want to collect for the super nintendo johnny woo it's been so long this is our first so you so you want to collect in 2020 God, what did we, what was the last one? Was it wasn't 3DO, was it? Because 3DO was like the first time I came on here. No, it was uh, Saturn, I think. We did a so you want to collect 3DO before Didn't Super we? Nintendo or Game Boy. That sounds no, suspect. No, no, no. When when we had Stefan on before he was officially part of the podcast, we talked about him completing the 3DO set. Yeah, like you brought me on caveats. to talk about 3DO. Was it not yes. like a so you could collect? It 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 is. And if you look at my list of the ones we've done and haven't done, it's not listed as a so you want to collect, but it is in fact the first when I was templating out your episode, that was the first template for so you want to collect. So I was the proto so you want to collect. Yep. Wow. You're my you're my beta version. Oh. And actually, yeah. the last one we did was uh, all five DSi games, and I don't even remember how that came up, but we definitely did. <laughs> oh, it, uh, that was like a joke one. I don't even think we listed that. But I'm looking forward to our Virtual Boy 32X two pack. Uh, those aren't going to be. Those are all separate episodes. We gotta <laughs> in the day and age you know, of content, we gotta we gotta have a 45 minute episode. We're, we're allowed to make a shorter episode. It doesn't have to be two and a half hours every time. Stop. Stop, Tyler. You don't actually yeah. want that. You don't mean it. You don't, you don't, nobody, no one wants that. The people do not want that. Uh, speaking of people, if you are uh, new to the Collector's Quest podcast, this was slash is a series that we do that we haven't done in a really long time. And I don't know if it's because of coronavirus or uh, just other it's, crazy things yeah. happening in the game collecting world. But we want to put these episodes out because just talking about collecting info about a specific console is uh, a fun little primer for... Even though like 99% of our people don't need a primer to the Super Nintendo, but it's still fun to talk about all the variants and stuff and probably we'll mention something you don't know about. We hope. Well, it's also like good kind of evergreen content that, uh, you know, people who are new to the podcast can find. And if you are new to this podcast, you can go find this series and, you know, learn about consoles or, you know, if you don't care about those consoles, avoid them. I also feel like we don't do these often enough because they are tend to be a little bit more research heavy, but this console in particular was kind of easier for us to research than normal because the three of us know it so well. I think we all have complete sets in one way or another about this. 
Yes, it, it well, and like it's no shock to anyone who listened to this podcast. This is my favorite system. The Super Nintendo is it for me. My uh, you, you know, if if I had to kill every other set in here and leave one, it would be Super Nintendo. That that's the end all be all for me. It's the one I've been willing to ship in things from Europe, which right now is an extreme pain in the ass. So I've kind of stopped doing that uh, because I'm still waiting like four to five months for stuff to get here. But also, if it wasn't for Super Nintendo, there wouldn't be this podcast. Super Nintendo is the is the thing and the ideal I held as a child, uh, which put me on this path. Even though I had Nintendo and I played some Atari and I loved, you know, my NES and I love a bunch of NES games. Super Nintendo was it. That was the one, it was like a definitive moment in my life trying to acquire one that, you know, put all this into motion for me. So without this system, there's no podcast. There is, I, my, my life would be vastly different uh, if I had not, uh, had the Super Nintendo not come out. I think as far as collecting goes, I may have more attachment to my 3DO set just because I'm a weirdo and I really love the set. But as far as like gameplay, like like system that I love to play, it's definitely Super Nintendo. I think like I mean, nine, you nine out of Super my top Nin- 10 games. You have Super Nintendo stuff tattooed on you. You don't have any 3DO stuff tattooed on you. Yet. Wait till I get Tia Carrera in the Daedalus Encounter tattooed on my back. I, <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting. <laughs> Oh wait, no. So, actually, if anything, it would be a. It's a bird's life. I could totally yeah. get the. It's a bird's life. Oh my art. goodness! Do not do that. I know we haven't talked about Shelley Duvall in a long time, but I feel like I think I feel like we're due. But uh, yeah. yeah, I would definitely get the. It's a bird's life uh, art tattooed on me. That'd be pretty good, actually. So, uh, <laughs> just to bring us back to this episode. So, what we do in these episodes is we just like Tyler was saying, a basic primer. We'll talk about how many games it is, if it's expensive, the things to go through, what to look out for. And we'll go through all this uh, in kind of not super deep detail. It, it's not completely surface level, but it's not a total deep dive. I mean, there's a lot of nitty gritty we could go get into on the system. We're not doing this. We're kind of taking you through, uh, you know, surface to mid-level detail about the system and collecting for it to start you on your journey or to teach you a little bit about it. So uh, I think that's a, a good place to, to lead us from Tower, what do you think? Yeah, and so I wanted to say that every time we do one of these episodes, th- like literally a week after, I think of like ten different things I wanted to bring up on the episode. So all these episodes could have like some kind of part two to them. Say, Normally, we say that we're going to do a part two, and then we just haven't yet. <laughs> we should just do. We should do some follow ups. Like, but they're more important than follow ups to me are like getting through a bunch of the ones we haven't, and touching back to that point of like why we haven't done as much. The one we do less episodes now uh, than we used to do uh, because these ones are so long, but also effing busy. Can we just, well, well, I mean, that's true. But when we do it, like we're giving like a two and a half hour episode, but the first year where I did a ton, each episode was like 40 or 30 minutes. So if you look at the time, it's like, it's the same amount of time as like a 40, 40 episodes in a year versus like, you know, 20 episodes in a year. There, there was and a period where we were content. cranking out like an hour and 45 minutes every week or week and a half. Yeah, well, it was every like week and a half. Uh, now, now, it's you know, about every two weeks. Our, our listeners know what it's coming in. But also the landscape of video games shifted a lot. All the WADA stuff happened and that was crazy. And so we like hyper-focused on that for a little while. And so we're watching that. And then coronavirus happened like right at the tail end of that. Like it went, it went uh, all the WADA stuff happening immediately 
into the holidays, into coronavirus. And that kind of has been collecting for the last year. And we have been talking about that stuff, but it, it is a good reminder for us to, uh, and that's why I made the list. We can now go reference it and be like, oh yeah, we gotta, we gotta get one of these out, pick one and we'll, uh, get it done. So with that said, anything else before we jump, jump in guys? No, let's go in and out 45 minute show in and out. Yeah. Probably not 45 minutes. Um, yeah, cool. That was, uh, we've, we've gone like 12 minutes now. The people will be happy that we didn't start right away as we said we would. Yeah, except for let's never, ever hand it over to uh, Tyler at the beginning again. That was a bad idea. What? I regret that decision. The Midway greatly. Arcade Classics thing. That has been on my mind for like a <laughs> oh, week I bet it, Oh, I have no doubt that it's been on your mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Tyler, bring us into this episode, please. All right. So what? what's the Super Nintendo, guys? Have Have you heard of it? Nope. 1991. <laughs> here it is. The Sega Genesis has been out for two years. Bam. Nintendo's like, we're going to make a 16-bit console, too. It might even be the Western counterpart to the Super Famicom. And the debut of probably the most exciting console war of all time, the SNES and Genesis, it's the most interesting, probably the most vicious console war. And I would say... I would not say that's the most vicious. Have you seen forums or, or comment sections about uh, Let's say vicious in terms of PS the, and Xbox? the actual companies involved and their advertising, not the stupid uh, fans. Okay. I would agree with okay. that. Like, first yes. parties going after each other. Nintendo and, oh. and Sega went after each other. Ho, ho, well, and, and Nintendo was such a f***ing evil overlord. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> at, during this time. Nintendo is not the hero of this story, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nintendo is the hero of the 8-bit era, but they are definitely the villain of the 16-bit era and the way they uh, tried to control the market and try and keep their, you know, hooks into into gaming. Well, and they also, like, tried to basically wholesale rip off Sega's, like, edgy marketing campaign, right? Like, that's when you started getting really weird nintendo tv ads like because like and like the the play it loud uh campaign and all that well like. i mean that's that's the typical marketing response when you know the genesis does what nintendo don't right like that come out yeah. it's like blast processing which means nothing it's just marketing. zero it's absolutely zero nothing. blast processing is a lie there's no such thing as blast processing but it's excellent marketing speaking something you can say and you know look how fast sonic is you know all this to make the nintendo look like the kitty fogey system and nintendo was like oh we're losing kids and this isn't this isn't today where nintendo can be like we are as established as we are we can we can blaze our own trail Genesis was an actual threat and was beating them even in sales for a little while it was neck and neck yeah, yeah. Genesis I had mean, a, more market share at one point for a, for a brief moment, but yeah. Nintendo did take that back, and you know, largely because uh, Sega Japan, not Sega of America, but Sega Japan was so bad about knowing how to how to reach the American market and force so much on Sega of America that they lost the console war. And uh, the irony of also Super Nintendo and Genesis is uh, they would both f over Sony, and then Sony would take them both down. So they're that's for the beautiful. rest of eternity. <laughs> yeah, you you create your own your own villain who eventually uh, kills you. God, they really did. They totally did both of them. It, it's the sweet irony of both Sega and Nintendo screwing over Sony to the point where they were just had so much knowledge. And, you know, uh, 
you know, uh, what am I like research and development into video games that they just said, it will make one. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. And that, uh, it, I mean, and I think that's why the Nintendo PlayStation has become as valuable and sought after as it was when it went on uh, the auction block is because it's like basically it represents like the most magical what if like alternate reality um, of of the industry. Right. Like how different how different would things be today if that if that deal went through? Yeah. Final Fantasy seven had actually been an N64 title oh my instead, God. or, you know, and it was in development. There's actual stills of Final Fantasy VII yeah. on, you know, N64 cartridges. Or if they just went down the disc route, you know, imagine if, and then Nintendo probably would have had to play to a more mature audience the whole time. There, There's a lot of what-ifs. And you know who they, Nintendo spurned PlayStation 4 or Sony for? Philips, right? Phillips. Yeah, Phillips. Cool. They blindsided cool. Phillips, and we got some, yeah. some cool games out of that. They really didn't even, Nintendo didn't even get anything. at the end, After that was all said and done, Nintendo didn't even really get anything out of that. And they maybe tarnished their, at the time, tarnished their, uh, their corral of, of properties, and that the Mario and Zelda games that came out on the CDI were f***ing hot trash. Oh, Hotel Mario is so good, though. Okay, okay, it wasn't bad. No, <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. Zelda Adventure, okay. uh, you know, yeah, the, a the Wand Zelda of Gamelon. It's just not... What, what's the other that, one? Faces of Evil or something? Hobbit-looking yeah. art. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> All of it is super bad, and that was like a deal with Phillips that they had to let them take uh, a couple of licensed games, and that was it. Terrible. Anyways... Now, uh, that that's your like little history lesson of some of the Super Nintendo stuff. What else you got to say about it, Tyler? I know you got more. So it came out in 1991, which was three years before the NES died and two years after the Game Boy. So we have this kind of three-year period where the three most collectible Nintendo platforms are contemporaneous with each other. And I just think that's interesting. And that's where yeah. some of the best signage of the era comes out. And everyone wants those Game Boy, NES, and Super Nintendo signs. So uh, it's just a really yeah, cool part in Nintendo history there. There's even like one of the rarest like and largest kiosks out there for that era was a kiosk that had NES, SNES, and Game Boy uh, demo games on it. I don't think that it was playable, but like it had like a, a laser disc that you press buttons and it would play demos for games. And it was a, a, a triple system kiosk. Is there a Nintendo, there's like a, a training video that shows that, and it's on like the left side yeah. of that video? Yep. Yeah, that kiosk is badass. Does anyone actually have those? Yeah, um, but more often you see the, like the laser disc will come up for sale, or there there was also a cartridge that was paired with that, that uh, comes up for sale sometimes. Everybody go on YouTube and look up all the Nintendo sales training videos until you find that one, but they're all pretty great to watch. Yep. All right, okay. so Super Nintendo, obviously everyone knows what it is, uh, Johnny. How many games are in the licensed set according to your list? Well, 722, uh, you know, and there, there's some debate. Again, everything comes down to what you count, what you don't. So um, I've seen people say 721. I've seen people say as high as 725, but 722 is kind of what I have. And, you know, there's like one unlicensed game for it so you don't have like that kind of conversation it's more of like multi multi-cart stuff that messes up the count a little bit 726 sticks out in my head for some reason but i think that's all the like the stuff that we have on the like the edge cases that pretty much fills in all those gaps yep. yeah 
And so a lot of lists include Super Noah's Ark 3D just because it's the only unlicensed game. Yeah. And it, it's but hot don't trash. Don't don't feel the need to buy that. <laughs> well, you should That's buy the it. one that's like a Wolfenstein clone, right? It is, yeah. Well, what's, I just I just love that, like from a technological aspect. So, like the original cartridge was essentially like um, like the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge, where you had to plug in a you could plug something in at the top, but you had to because it was using the you had to plug in a retail cartridge into that to get it to play because it would uh, use the lockout chip on the retail game to to load the uh, the bootleg ROM or the the unlicensed ROM. Yep. So I just and I just thought that was a really I love it. I thought it was yeah. a pretty interesting way to get that done. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that you need another cart means it's like, it's barely even a game. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, not a complete game. It's, it's 95% of a game. And it was like a, a reskin of like Wolfenstein, right? Yeah, it's got all the unique levels. I'm, I'm almost 100% sure. So it was developed by Wisdom Tree and later sold to Pico and Pico re-released it. So it's a thing you can find now as a complete game. But the original one you want is the Wisdom Tree box. And uh, it's got the weird looking cart if you want it. And, you know, it's a couple hundred bucks if if this is a thing that you want. But really, it's an oddity. It's a collection plus item that, you know, something to shine your, your, your collection up. If you're like, look at all the neat stuff I got. That's the kind of thing that this is. But it's really, it's trash. I legitimately only got it because there was only one. Like, if there were more than one uh, unlicensed game, I probably wouldn't have. Well, there are if you get into the aftermarket stuff stuff. Shut up. Well, there is new unlicensed stuff, right? But but we'll get there. Okay, so uh, now we've been, since we've been talking about on the edge stuff here, like unlicensed stuff, uh, what are some other on the edge stuff? I think the big two that people will debate until the end of time are Donkey Kong Competition Cartridge and Star Fox Super Weekend, which are the two common competition cartridges on the super nintendo and the reason that uh everyone debates these forever is because you could buy them from a nintendo power catalog used so you would buy them used from the catalog as like a a souvenir i don't even know why they would sell these Uh, correct me if i'm wrong gentlemen but i think it was just donkey kong country that was in the catalog no i'm pretty sure you bought star fox there as well Mm. okay Tyler will fix this in editing and tell yes, us please. which one is correct. Please, please edit and say which one is correct. I could have sworn that that the Star Fox one was not released in in the Nintendo Power catalog, but I could be wrong. You can order it from the Nintendo Super Power Supplies catalog, Star Fox Super Weekend. You just got owned mm. by SNES Central. Aw, oh, sorry. So here's the big thing. So everyone says, well, because you could buy it, it's part of the retail set. And all those people don't understand that retail is kind of a, like being a retail item is a legal definition. You can sell promo items and it doesn't mean it's gone through the full retail certification to get like a barcode and a rating and all the other things it needs to go through. It may have gone through part of these, but it didn't have approved packaging. Like, there's a whole list of things that happens uh, when a company is developing and actually shipping a product to stores to be sold. I, like, have talked ad nauseum about this back in the day on forums when people argued with me. They, like, clearly have never been in factory production and seen how this stuff works, and I have. So, like, you have, like approvals there there are things that must happen they were sold yes absolutely they were sold are they licensed retail carts no they are not they are promotional items that were sold 
Those are different. Those so, fall under different jurisdictions completely. Suck it, nerds. I, I personally don't care that they were promo games. And I think I don't care about retail sets either. The definition or the qualifier of retail just, just does not phase me because Atari and Sega Saturn have mail order games. And I totally count those. The The one yeah, thing that I, the one reason I don't count these is because they were sold used. So it, they never were released in this catalog. You bought them used in the catalog. But I do own both of them because, honestly, I think that the high end of Super Nintendo is not super interesting. And these are the two interesting games to have at the high end. I will agree with that. Yeah, they are. They're cool. Like, I, I just they like them as cool. collectibles. I think they're neat. They, yeah, I think they're cool, too. I own them as well. It's like I just went and said all that doesn't mean i don't own them and i don't think they're cool they are like they're like two of the coolest items you can get for the super nintendo legitimately uh so two things that i want to talk about well one thing for each of these that i want to talk about um is that donkey kong country competition cart uh comes with a box that is like a blockbuster style because it's a blockbuster it was a blockbuster event um a blockbuster style clamshell case that is green uh, two things to know about that. One, the insert that goes in the case is a Xerox copy or a photocopy. Um, so, like, me personally, I don't know that I would be comfortable today buying one um, or at least comfortable today paying a premium for one because the originals are photocopies and I just I, I just don't trust that anymore um, and uh, about the green boxes also know that uh, Blockbuster did use those green boxes for other things so you can find those green boxes like more commonly than like just like with the uh, competition cart um, the other thing I want to talk about, um, the Star Fox Super Weekend cartridge, is that it does also, uh, sometimes you'll find it with a scorecard, uh, and that increases the value of the the bundle uh, significantly. You can get a, you can get a, the scorecards by themselves go for like 500 bucks or something. There's ridiculous. a $750 bounty on video game stage, and the guy's been looking for a long time. <laughs> yeah. So. They used to be fairly common, but I think it's just a case of like the people who wanted one have them and are hoarding them. Or not hoarding, but like not selling. And there's a pin for Star Fox Super Weekend, which is like twenty bucks, and they're everywhere because uh, everyone who competed got one, I guess. And right. there's a and jacket. Way, I, and the I don't necessarily. I wouldn't necessarily count that as like part of like uh, the item. It's just cool stuff with Star Fox Super yeah. Weekend. No. This is the only time yeah. we're going to talk about it. There's a there's a actually a oh god I wish I could if Nintendo Age was still around we could I could point you into the thread but there was a collector who was just like was crazy about Star Fox Super Weekend and because there's like employee aprons and promotional posters and just like there's a glut of stuff the you know vinyl banners or not vinyl but um uh nylon banners there's a glut of product around the Star Fox Super Weekend much more than there was around uh donkey Kong country which i think there was actually trading cards around the dkcc one too um but um but yeah there's there's tons of product around the uh, around that event well i mean there was pogs for donkey Kong country hell whoa. yeah <laughs> whoa just saying there's a there's a rare french pog set that you can get about this uh donkey Kong. with uh, the donkey anyways. Kong country competition french pog set I don't know if it's about the competition okay. specifically, but I just Funny. wanted to bring up Pogs for Stefan. It warms my heart that you take an interest in the things that I am interested in. <laughs> yeah, as much as I talk everything, I, I do look into everything you guys ask me to look into and take a look at. Because um, I'm a good friend. 
as much as I'm telling you guys are stupid. I'm so good. I, I mix my terrible friendship with my good friendship. It's the only way to keep a balance. Um, okay, so another item on the edge that we should kind of get into is the max carts. So what are the max carts? Um, God, oh, what is max? Uh, military something combat simulator? What's the A stand for? Arcade. Uh, multi-purpose arcade Ar- combat simulator. What, is oh, it really arcade? Yeah. I doubt it. God, we're terrible. It is arcade. It's multi-purpose arcade combat simulator. Why yeah, do we? We I'm can't even make at, these it, podcasts. It's right anymore. there it's in the be... notes, you dumbass. Oh my! Oh my God! I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> we did write it down. All right, us. Okay, so there are a couple of different versions of this. So there's 1.1e. So it says it'll on the cart. These labels can vary too, and like what is written on them because. These were actually military combat training uh, simulation carts that yeah. came with like an M16, or there was an M16. Not supposed t- to have these. It was a, a no. Jaeger AP74. Okay, it's, okay. it's basically so, an M16. So, okay. Johnny, real quickly on that, since you are the military man of the three of us, like, sure, would there be like actual military, like government recourse? Like, could they come after someone? Like, in theory, uh, if they wanted to. Know, maybe like if they deemed it usually there's like a couple there there's like um god what's the what's what's the word i'm looking for uh where a certain amount of time passes and then it's a statute, statute of limitations, of limitations. Yeah. yeah so yeah i think there is like a statute there but the military uh, also, also sells know, surplus so it could have just sold yeah it they the do market. On some of these, and it's relevant actually for for the variant of this too, is on on some of them they do have a sticker on the back that says I forget what the actual verbiage is, but it's like says like property of Fort Hood or like re- return to to whatever the base was. Um, so it does say there is like verbiage on some of the cartridges saying that they're owned by the military and you should give them back. Yeah. So there are three carts. Um, there's simulator version one point one e, and then. Uh, basic rifle marksmanship program version 1994.0 and then there's the moving target simulator and i I think we have to like maybe tyler will edit this in i don't think they're all three the same like with revisions i think target simulator is actually different than the other the other two but i could be wrong no we'll edit it in i just know it's a game it shows you a field and you shoot a bunch of gray targets and you're supposed to have a specific tv it's like a tiny tv it's like 19 inches maybe and then you're supposed to sit like eight or 10 feet away from it. It's all like very specific because it's like a military protocol kind of thing. And then just because we didn't explain what it is, it's basically a light gun game for the military. But the light gun is much more accurate than like the super scope. Um, yeah, and it and also it, seems like the dumbest idea ever because why wouldn't you just train the military in a shooting range? Because that's what the military has. They have a bunch of shooting ranges. They don't have well, a because, bunch of Super Nintendos. Because bullets are expensive. Uh, and you, yeah, Tyler, army unlimited. budget is infinite. Have you looked at the United States budget? <laughs> uh, you know, as someone who used to do budgeting for the United States Air Force and submit to uh, budgets to DFAS Denver, uh, yes, yes, I, I have seen military <laughs> budgets and I've helped uh, make sure budgets are balanced at, at the end of uh, fiscal quarter, at the end of quarters and for the fiscal year. So I know a lot about it, actually, more than I should. And it's a horror story that uh, I'm having PTSD thinking about right now. Um, okay, so let's talk about the two guns, because there's two versions of the guns that you would use for the simulator. 
Uh, one is like an M16 proper, and then one is kind of like a, uh, still like an M16, but it's like a toy version of it. It's like a plastic shell, much yeah, lighter. They- but the the one they wanted you to train with was obviously the one they like made out of the core of an actual M16 because yeah, that kept sure the weight of the, the rifle. Pin. I think I think it's just an M16 in which they pulled the firing pin. So um, you you can look more into that. This is like on the far it's edge. It's a Jaeger so AT74, Stefan. Come on. This is uh this is not like a licensed cart that you could buy. It was never sold at retail. This was a for military use only item it's very rare to find like finding the carts is hard and they're like usually between a thousand to three thousand dollars depending what's going on on ebay at any time finding the actual guns that go with them a lot harder uh fewer of those made it out and the ones that like also transporting 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 one of these or shipping it on you know through the post office it's a lot harder you have to know the rules because it's not like sending a zapper to someone. This thing looks like a gun because it's a gun. Yeah. You know, it's um you know, and, it could and, very well be taken and destroyed by the post office. And I don't know if it's still the case, but there were uh when I was interested in looking, there like Amazon kept there was a guy that was trying to sell one on Amazon and they kept pulling the listing because they don't allow sales of firearms or at least they didn't at the time. So like it might it it's it's difficult to sell one as well. Um, so, uh, so the whole transaction process for that gun is, is a nightmare. Yeah. Kind of, if you want one, you got to find where one is and go and get it yourself and then figure, figure it out. Cause shipping is probably not going to happen. I've seen the carts yeah. around. You never see the gun. Um, there was a cart that sold on eBay a couple of months ago for 2,500. Uh, there was one at Portland retro gaming expo that was for 2000. Uh, and just to give their pricing on the, the competition carts, I would say they're two to 3000 now. Star Fox has gone way up. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Donkey Kong was like 3,500 now. Both of those have increased in popularity a lot in the past couple of years. They have, but also Super Nintendo, one of the things we'll get to later, Super Nintendo, as far as popularity, has been very flatly, uh, you know, flat lately. For a while, it was a super hot system. People were, you know, people love the Super Nintendo. It's a very popular console. Uh, You know, some people will say it's the best console of all time. You know, other like I'm not. I will make that claim because I love it, but that, I will you know, make that claim too. There, there are people going to fight you on the PS1, PS2, and all these people have. There's, a, there's an argument and a conversation to be had. I don't think it's like a lopsided case closed. Let's not talk about it. You're a dummy. Uh, but for something that is as popular as it is, it is pricing is flat. You know, the coronavirus gave it a bump. Obviously, gave everything a bump. But interest, even though the price has gone up a little bit, interest hasn't climbed the way something like interest on the GameCube has or the N sixty four. So, you know, I, I don't know if the competition, if just the high end, because they are the rarest of the rare things for the Super Nintendo, if they're still climbing or not. And I want to say one more thing about Max. Uh- Dream TR contacted the developers, sculpted software, sculptured software, whoever they are. Software. And apparently they have made, they, he was told that they made 600 of each of the cartridges. So it's very rare. Wow, that would be the lowest. There's, there's one of these on Xbox, isn't there? When I was at THQ, we did make a, a military simulator that ended up becoming Full Spectrum Warrior. There's a military grade version of Full Spectrum Warrior out there. Oh, is that what you're talking about, Johnny? Yeah, that is. It, that's a thing. it crashes 100% of the time when you throw a grenade into a truck. Great. And it's because 
it's because when we when we reported that bug, it was towards the end of the project, and the um, the army producer uh, said, "Well, we're you don't have to fix it because we're not training them to throw grenades into trucks." <laughs> <laughs> That's a wow. Okay. All right. Fun development fact. One thing. One other thing I want to talk about, Max, before we move on, if we haven't already deterred you from finding it, talking about how rare the cartridge is and then how crazy and uncomfortable to buy the game, the guns are. Uh, that's actually not the complete Max experience. Oh, they yes. actually they came in a crate, um, and that's that's again branded like you know for the military. Don't steal this. Um, and then within that crate is a, you know, a foam insert, custom foam insert, uh, with a 13, I believe, inch television, uh, a Super Nintendo, a Model 1 Super Nintendo, the game, uh, and some paperwork. I'm not sure, I don't, rem- it's a long, been a long time since I've seen the picture, I'm, I don't remember if the gun also fits in that, but just know that even if you do find the gun and the cart, that's still not complete until you find the crate with the paperwork and the TV. And yeah, it's there's a lot. And so you're never going to find that. They're like out of the number of these that exist in the world, <laughs> those are probably all in yeah. collector's hands at this point. Yeah. And there's maybe which one might two. be like one. It's still one of the most interesting oddities in gaming for me because there's like an assault rifle that comes with this game, you know, if you can find it. So that that's real interesting. Let's move on to some of the other Super Edge case stuff that you're not going to find. Tyler, tell us about the Campus Challenge and the PowerFest 1994 cards. Johnny, I don't know anything about Campus Challenge or PowerFest 94. So Campus Challenge was, uh, Nintendo had a Campus Challenge in 1991. It was another, it was like a college competition, sort of the content, uh, continuation of Nintendo World Championships that was is much less popular in terms of collector uh, interest. Same thing with Campus Challenge 1992, which was uh, Super Nintendo games. I think Super Mario World was one of them. Cannot remember the others. But Campus Challenge and Power Fest, they're not like NWC where they look like a cartridge. They're a giant PCB that mounts on top of the Super Nintendo. I think there's there's only like one or two of each of them and you can't actually own them, which is why no one really thinks about them or cares. There is a diagnostic test cartridge that looks identical to it, except for the basically when they when they made it, they uh, used that mold, but then they removed the top. So they the I'm pretty sure that the top of the the cartridge is open, and you can see the circuit board. I may be wrong on that, but yeah, the top of the cartridge is just completely open. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, they did use a they used a one of their like diagnostic um, the diagnostic cartridges, and that's that's why it's gigantic. If you guys want to see info on this, I would just go to SNES Central uh, or SNES Central and take a look at it. It's basically like a 32X with the top off, and you can just see PCBs instead of... Yep. It, it looks like a, a cartridge copier, like an illegal cartridge copier thing. Yeah. Um, and same yeah. thing with PowerFest 94. And I've always heard these talked about, uh, like, probably on sites like Racket Boy, like, oh, this is a, a $25,000 game. And uh, these days, it's probably just worth, in, worth infinite money, so... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the thing I mean, is that they haven't they haven't changed hands in a really long time. I think yeah. the you know so so that's sort of like you know how much is it worth when the last time that it changed hands you know x amount of years ago was like three thousand dollars or something, which is like you can't obvi- obviously it wouldn't be three thousand dollars today. They're like if this is a thing you want, then one have big money, and then you're like this is going to be very much a pay to play if you want to own this thing, because you're going to have to pry it out of somebody's hands with money or that person's going to need money. 
You know, yeah, so essentially, whatever purchase price you're going to find it at is probably going to set the new high. Yeah, and there, there are uh, repros of both of these that can be found. You know, once in a while, so you can find them, uh, and they just yeah, come in like regular cards. Yeah. yeah, but if this is something you're looking for, um, you know, like to own the actual thing that there's like one or two of, good luck. Um, Again, severe edge case. We're just bringing it up because when you talk about the super top end of the Super Nintendo, there's there's not a whole lot of things, and these are like two of the weird weird cases that exist. And there are literally, I'm pretty sure the only people that would argue that these are part of the set are the people who own them. Yeah, no one no one is coming out and saying these are part of. The I set. mean, it, Nintendo World Championships was a little different because they distributed the competition carts in two different ways. So there's more of a mystique, like, oh, these got out there. These were probably all just like destroyed or thrown out. Right. This was this was for internal use only. The the the, th- the fun thing about game history is that 99 percent of it uh, starts with someone stealing from work, and that's <laughs> that's a hundred percent how these got out there. So let's go on to test cards. Who wants to talk about test cards? Uh, I can talk a little bit about them. Sure. Um, I think there's three of them. They're essentially diagnostic cards to check to make sure that your your Super Nintendo hardware is functioning correctly. And I know the one that I have, basically, it just, um, there's no, it's not gamified at all, really. It just runs uh, like test patterns and stuff like that to make sure that your Super Nintendo is functioning correctly. Um, there are, I think, two versions of the one that has, like, it's got the, um, they've got the little uh, Mario with the screwdriver uh, iconography on the label. Um, and there's two of those. And then there's a third um, Super Scope one. And it clearly has the Super Scope on the label. I don't know what that does because I don't have one. That makes me sad. Okay. What what else? We already talked about Noah's Ark. Anything else we want to get into? Yeah, Johnny, the last uh, the last game, uh, oh, Star Fox God. 2, was released for the <laughs> Super Nintendo Classic, re- officially released by Nintendo, guys. It's, the, it's part of the SNES set. Not arguable. There are 723 games. So, yeah, now you need to own a uh, Super Nintendo Classic to have the complete set because Star Fox 2 got a U.S. release. No, guys, who cares? Um, <laughs> if you want a Star Fox 2, there's people like repros of this have gone up. If you really want Star Fox 2... You can go get a repro of it, or you can just play it on the, uh, you know, the Super Nintendo Classic. That's where to find it. And then we've got some like weird edge cases too, because in our count we've said 722 to 725, but there are some weird games which have, you know, same game, different name situations. So how do we count them? Uh, right now, everyone pretty much counts these as individual games. So why don't you, Tyler, tell us about? the fury inside of your soul when you think about Cannondale Cup and Mountain Bike Rally. Is there, they've got different title screens at least. All right, so Cannondale Cup and Mountain Bike Rally are the same game. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not wrong. How come Wikipedia says Mountain Bike Rally also released as Cannondale Cup in North America, but Mountain Bike Rally was released in North America? I'm freaking out. I have no idea. It says release October 1994, release... November 1994. Did they rename Mountain Bike Rally within one month? That is the dumbest thing. All right. That can't um, be true. I mean, there's enough there's there's enough mountain bike rallies out there where I can't believe that would be true. And also Mountain Bike Rally, like a strangely affordable game for like how weird it is and how it's part of like a million dollar multi-cart. But uh the other same name game is Chavez 2 and Boxing Legends of the Ring. 
Chavez 2 is the Spanish language version of Boxing Legends of the Ring. And they also changed a couple things around. I think they took out like some English uh, voice samples that they had. And that was released in Latin America and I believe the Southwestern United States. And then the last weird game is Super Copa because there's a English uh, language version, at least the text on the cart. I've never put Super Copa into my game, into my SNES. It's a soccer game. And then there's a Playtronic released one with all Spanish language text uh, on the cartridge, at least. So there's two variants. The one you want is the one that looks like a guy is kicking another guy in the balls. Uh, This is weird because I think it was released in America, but there are some sources that say it might have only been released in Latin America. Um, It's a very rare game in any case. This, this, like, another note about this game, both of these games, no matter which version you find, they're hard to find in nice condition. And we'll get into why that is later, but, like, finding a nice one of these, especially the uh, being kicked in the balls version, is tough to find. Yeah. All right. All right, should we move on now that we've spent the longest time on what's not in the set? Yeah. Now that you know what not to collect for the Super Nintendo, let's talk about how you should collect the Super Nintendo. Hey, Tyler, uh, let's let's fight. How should you collect this? Loose or complete? However you want to, Johnny. Um, I wrote yeah. loose because I think uh, SNES cartridges are nice, chunky boys, and they have end labels and maybe the best looking cartridge uh, when you just have the loose cartridge, maybe tied with the uh, NES. I don't think that the price difference between loose and complete is very big right now. It'll cost you maybe like two, two and a half times on popular games to just get it complete. So for all your popular games, your Super Mario RPGs, your Link to the Past, you should just get those complete before the price difference increases anymore. And I will tell you to buy, I would tell you to buy it complete, uh, not just because that's how my set is. Uh, just in the current day and age of collecting and things going to WADA and people wanting to grade everything. And if you're ever going to have to sell it, you know, people aren't scrounging around. I mean, there are obviously like a lot of collectors and hopefully a lot of you guys are still just interested in carts and like picking that kind of stuff up. But, you know, if you're looking to recoup your funds, then I would just say complete is where you want to go and not just complete, but nice complete stuff, because that's just the way of like top end collecting. I'm not saying like go buy Cannondale cup or some of these like weird games that no one cares about, you know, world cup soccer. But if you're going to buy a link to the past, buy it in a box, buy a nice one in a box, you know, like any of the premier titles or, you know, what, what is rare or expensive? Like you should really be looking for this complete, and, you know, if you want to have a mixed set of complete and loose, sure, go ahead. But just know if you're buying the good stuff, you should spend the extra money because you can get the money back out of it if you need it. If you're just buying it to play, just buy a loose cart. Yeah, and I'll agree with that. I'm, I'm talking kind of price agnostic when I say the loose carts are cool. Um, <laughs> I definitely think that the, the distinction in price between a loose and complete game is nowhere near uh, what it could be and almost definitely will be in the future. I do not think uh, loose cartridge collecting is going to take off as much as a uh, nice condition cardboard. So, yep. Yeah. My distinction when I was building the set now, again, uh, Johnny had actually said earlier before we were recording, like talking to me saying that uh, I would have done things differently. Uh, if I were doing the set now than back then, and and that might be true because of all of the weird economic 
garbage that's going on in this hobby. But uh, my rule of thumb when I was putting together this set was if I cared about it, I would get it CIB. And if it was just something that I was buying to complete the set, then I would get it loose. That was my my distinction. So that then when I had my cool CIB wall or section of my wall that was Super Nintendo, it was all stuff that I liked to look at. So that was that, my personal distinction. And that's like a fine way to do it. There, You know, one, there's no real right answer to this. You know, it, you should be collecting for whatever reasons are, you know, inherent to you. You you know, you got into the scene for a reason. Follow your path. However, if you're looking for advice, you know, we've all done it different ways. So there's some things to look at. The important thing is, is that if you collect loose cartridge Genesis, you're a monster. That is true. We, we So we don't have a strong opinion on this either way. We say skew complete, but uh, we won't be mad at you as the Collector's Quest podcast. Yeah, but Genesis definitely. But, oh my God. If you collect loose I mean, Genesis cartridges, we're happy to you, have you as a listener. Yeah, we're happy to have you as a listener and hopefully try to convert. No, you know what? No, get out of here. Get out of here if you're collecting <laughs> Look, we don't have Look, we don't have enough listeners just to be banishing people. <laughs> Fine. You can what if you stay. collect loose Master System games, which like aren't even expensive? Oh, I mean, at least they stack better. You're right. Yeah, Genesis are probably worse. They like oh, they they all slidey because they have those. Oh, well, and different shape, different shape carts too. Yeah. Oh my God! Yuck. Like the EA cartridges next. Yeah. Thing. Oh God. Ugh. Oh. Ugh. No. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. See, at least Super Nintendo is uniform, except for one cart. <laughs> except for Super Nova's Arc 3D. And most Super. of them are gray, except for one or two. Two. Yep. How much is this to complete, Tyler? Tell us. Oh, just going based on the game value now, now prices, uh, $21,000 for a loose set of the 722 games or $65,000 complete in box. And that's honestly probably a little low because you're probably going to want it to be nice games. And obviously there's no condition things. And some of these games are worth a lot more in nice condition than they're not. But, um... You know, four times the price for a complete set. Uh, I would also point out that um, that that total does not factor in a lot of the edge case games that we've been talking about tonight. Uh, so none of them, in fact, except for yeah. the same name, different game type stuff. Yeah. So if anybody doesn't know, when you're looking at game value now, anything with a star uh, associated with it uh, means that it's not factoring into their overall evaluation. Yep. All right, Johnny, move us. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I'm going to move us on. What are we going to talk about now? I don't know. I'm, right, I'm hardware lost. Variants. No, <laughs> hardware. No, I was, I was kidding. Yeah, hardware yeah. variant says this is a boring thing to talk about because there's not a lot. So there's the one chip and the two chip and, uh, the mini or SNES junior, as some people call it, which I think might be the official name, but like everyone just calls it the super Nintendo mini. Is there, I think like the official name is the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, like redesign or something, not even redesign. I don't think there is an official name. I mean, I think it just says Super Nintendo on the box, but yeah. there, there so is a calls smaller it the junior, version. But I'm almost positive it's not actually People, the junior. who calls it the junior? I've never heard it call anyone. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Like, or, or get like out the of mini? Here. Well, now the SNES it's mini. It's always I'll the probably. mini. I mean, it's always been the mini to me. And that's why people started calling the is it SNES the classic two? the mini. Because they were like, oh, it's like a mini, but that's not true either. Could you imagine the riots had they designed the SNES Classic as uh, as the mini version? <laughs> 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 oh, my God. <laughs> Tyler, 
Yes. Because we are notorious for mentioning things and not explaining what they are, would yes. you like to tell the listeners we did what just the one breeze chip over the one chip and two chip? So the original SNES console, the boxy one, has two motherboard revisions, at least two major motherboard revisions. The first one, is it the first one? Oh my god! So there's the one chip and the two chip. Did the two chip come first and then they combine them into one chip? Oh my god. Uh, anyway, there's one that has one processing chip that does something and one that splits them off into two chips that do something. And the distinction is that the one chip consoles have better video output. And I believe that's for both composite video and if you do an RGB mod. Uh, so almost in every case, the one chip consoles are more desirable. And you can go to retro RGB to look up how to look at your motherboard or how to guess based on serial numbers if you have a one chip console. But uh, yep. no matter what you're doing with it, you want a one chip. And it, like the people who have actually opened up and looked at their consoles, they charge like huge premiums on eBay. So you want to try to find one that no one has actually done their research on yet. Yeah, don't don't search for that on eBay unless you want to pay. Like do the research yourself so you can find a deal. As an alternative, uh, the SNES Junior also has superior RGB output, similar to the one chip SNES and might be cheaper. I, I know I have one, so it was probably cheaper to just buy that. You know, it, and it's interesting because if you look at like the NES Mini, right? Everyone hates it. It's the worst version, but this version is fine. Yeah, so they're, like they're not. I but I think there's some like weird like parallel that people think, oh, the NES Mini is garbage. That means the you know SNES Mini is also garbage, and that's not the case. So I've heard the SNES Mini described as a clone console of the original Super Nintendo because it's not exactly the same like architecturally somehow so some games might act a little different or there might be like some very small compatibility issues uh so if you're a complete purist you should get the original snes i guess maybe it's like the snes the genesis model 3 except not a complete pile of garbage unless you are uh doing the rgb mod then it like literally doesn't matter once you rgb mod the the mini it's it's identical as in performance to the one chip is it all right yeah so tis those are those are three versions, and then we have the most boring console bundles of uh, any system in existence. They really are. <laughs> yep. uh, it, uh, well, yeah, it is because at least like uh, for like the NES, you have like interesting box changes and designs. The Super Nintendo ones are super the boring. Oh, the I hope NES you ones like are stick the best. They look so. I just said. And spe- I, I know. That's what I said. Yeah, but like. Like, but there's not a lot going on. Not a lot changes in an NES bundle, right? The Super Nintendo ones, though, are just, like, so blah. Yeah, so let's talk about it. So um, first, let's cover, like, the the actual box revisions, right? So, like, there's a couple of revisions that, uh, depending on whether or not the, um, the, the, the kind of the earlier releases, whether or not the uh, console comes with Super Mario World, uh, that, that'll actually be a physical box revision. Um, and then there's Super a couple... Mario being the pack-in game. Then there's a couple variants that um, that are that you know when as the pack in changed that they did change the box art. Um, there's a Donkey Kong Country one that sticks out in my head, and there's a Killer Instinct one. Gentlemen, is there another one that you? There's remember? the sports bundle one. And then there's a bunch of sticker ones. Yeah, so that's what I meant. Meant like if there was one yeah. any more that actually changed the box. Well, so, just the sports one. It doesn't really change the box, but it adds on that like yeah so there's the actually a couple end. of those so like um and and a lot of them are done or most of them were done at like um like like sam's club or price club those kinds of like retailers um where they actually like for instance there's uh a 
a version or a, a box revision that uh, comes with a Super Game Boy. And it's like legit the regular Super Game Boy big box glued to the front of a of a of a, a regular. I think it's the one that comes with Super Mario World uh, that they just kind of glued it to the front of the box. Yeah, but um, there is like to say there is a legitimate Super Nintendo set that is called the Super NES Super Game Boy set, which yeah. has its own box, and it's like one of the few where you will find a box art change, and uh, you know it's. Probably the most colorful and interesting of all the box changes um, of the basic design. So by and large, though, the reason that we complain about it is that the U.S. Uh, the U.S. consoles, most of the quote unquote box variants are stickered. So, it, you know, the game or the console that came with Star Fox just has a Star Fox sticker on it. Um, and there's tons and tons like that. Um uh, Johnny did mention the, hold on, I got to look at it so that I get the name right. Johnny did mention the big score bundle, uh, that was, a that was a, not a box variant, but it had a smaller box with three games in it, uh, basically taped to the top of it. So it, from, from afar, it looks like it's different, but it looks extra tall because there's this other yellow box, yellow and red box, uh, stuck to the top of it. And that comes with, uh, stunt race effects, Stanley cup. And basketball, CAA right? basketball, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the 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 thing that's even more frustrating is that in other territories, specifically the UK, comes to mind. Uh, anytime or almost anytime they did a pack in revision, they did a whole box revision. the The Star Fox Super Nintendo is gorgeous. Like obviously the the Check console the, itself is the Yoshi's Island but, one is awesome. They're beautiful. And it just drives me crazy. Like, if they did all this work anyway, what the hell, guys? Yeah, like, maybe it's like a weird territory because art, sometimes, you know, art couldn't travel overseas without different licensing. Yeah, uh, but still, but it's, there's, but it's still frustrating. It is, because there was so much nicer. The only, besides the Donkey Kong one, we also, we should mention, we got a Killer Instinct one, which is probably the most recognizable yeah. uh, of all the bundles because it, like comes with the CD and the box is more tinted red and stuff. But really, Super Nintendo boxes are boring. That's what we're getting at. It's boring. And everywhere else got it better than we did. Boo. Yep. Yep. And I'll just clarify. So there's two main revisions. So the control set. So those have a bunch of sticker bundles. They came with uh, Ken Griffey Jr. There's one that came with Super Mario World, one that came with Super Metroid, one that came with Zelda. And then there's the Super Set, which is the bigger box, although still relatively small. It's smaller than an action set. It's a lot thinner. Uh, and that's the bundle that comes with Super Mario World. And those also had stickers that came with Star Fox and Mario Paint and Mario Kart and probably Zelda. I'm almost positive it has to come with Zelda. Yeah. Um, and then and then the Mini also has the same. It's got Yoshi's Island. It's got a Metroid one. It has Zelda. It's all got the same kind of dumb stickers. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I so, think so. Super just go get a All-Stars. go get one console, get one Super Set, and be happy with it. Or uh, be one of those weirdos who are like, I just, I got all 14 supersets, guys. Here they are. <laughs> I can't imagine <sighs> committing that much space for that. something that like that. Uh, you know, I, I have like four Super Nintendo boxes, four or five, so. Got yeah. one. <laughs> I have a couple. I have a Star Fox one. I have the, I have the, that, um, the big score set. Which Man, who got you that Star Fox one? That, that's weird. Who, who that was you, right? Yeah, that was me. That was me. I did that. 
Hey guys, Editor Tyler here. Uh, we did say some incorrect things in the section you just heard, and I think I've edited it all out. But I do want to state correctly what we said incorrectly. So in August to September of 1991, that was the Super Nintendo launch, it launched with the Super Set, which contains a cartridge-only copy of Super Mario World. Then in the summer of 1992, in order to compete with Genesis price drops, they released the Control Set, which is just the basic console with one controller for $99. And from what research I've done recently, a hot throwback to the video game resources episode, I did a lot of looking through Usenet for this, the control set coincides with the launch of the Black Box Super Mario World release. So that Black Box Super Mario World release, while it's super cool, it is actually has nothing to do with being the original print of Super Mario World. There's a year's worth of copies of them that are all card only before that one. And then, from what it looks like, at least based on catalogs, it looks like the control set was discontinued around 1994 because the super set was just so cheap by that point. So around 1994 is when, again, Super Mario World was just the pack-in with every Super Nintendo again. And so that kind of explains why the Black Box retail Super Mario World release is interesting, because there was only like a year and a half window where people would even have the opportunity to buy a Super Nintendo that didn't come with Super Mario World. All right, that's it. Correction over. Uh, obviously, the thing we said wrong, we said that the control set was available at launch, which it absolutely was not. Uh, back to this very long show. Can't wait to edit another two hours of it. Hey, Johnny. Hour in. How hard is it to collect for the Super Nintendo? Is this a popular system that people collect? It is, but it's not that hard to collect for it, honestly, because it's sold tons and tons and tons. So all the best games are out in large quantities. Do you guys disagree with that? No, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those, you know, you have to spend money to do it, but it's not difficult. Like, I'm, especially, like, right now, I think we were, we, Tyler was just looking at uh, listings before we recorded and was like, everything is on eBay. Yeah, so, yeah I was, I was I mean, looking up games that, like, I knew in my head were hard to find. I'm like, whoa, there's so many incantations on eBay right now. Why are there, I, this was a hard game for me to find, so. Yeah, yeah so. Now is a good time to be, like, as bad as all the coronavirus spike is in gaming right now, now is a good time to be snapping up Super Nintendo if you're interested, because interest in it is pretty low. And like when when it peaks, it's it's gonna. I wouldn't go say interest so in it hard. is pretty low, but uh, I mean lower maybe than not where the laser focus is right now. Okay, but lower than it has been. Right, it's like it's a, a low point of interest for one of the most popular systems of all time. Yeah, because when when you when I heard you say twenty one thousand loose uh, in my head, I was like, that seems really low. Like I know it's been higher than that previously. Yeah, I don't know. I, when I when I see numbers now, I see like sixty five thousand for a complete and box Super Nintendo set, every single game, and I'm just like, there was a Mega Man that sold for more than that recently, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, full set collecting seems really reasonable compared to sealed, uh, you know, nine point eight. So I thought we weren't going to talk about this. <laughs> so, anyways. I never made such claims. All right, so <laughs> it isn't that hard to collect. You can find most of it. Also, there's no like absurd, weird stuff like stadium events on the system. The top end is is kind of expensive, but all the top end kind of sits by each other in price relatively. The most expensive thing, you know, is going to be like your mountain bike, your speed racer mountain bike rally, entertainment uh, two pack. But all the other stuff is like relatively close and they can trade places arrow fighters have gone Hagane or whatever they can Stop like it. <laughs> switch around i have to say them both for tyler because it gets mad so <laughs> there isn't there isn't this like 
oh my God, this one game is an absolute barrier. If you're into this set, you know, and you're going boxed, yes. Uh, Mountain Bike Rally, Speed Racer, that two-pack is expensive, but looking at the cost of that compared to the rest of the set, you're not like, well, you know, I could never spend that much money into this set. It's not like looking at stadium events going, well, I could buy everything else and have spent the same amount of money and then still need to buy a stadium events. I still yeah, have like half like, the monetary value. It's, to not, it's not two thirds of the, of the library's cost in one cartridge. Yeah. So super Nintendo is good in that way that, you know, also there's a lot of games. If you were just picking and choosing the best stuff, there's a lot of great games on it. And it's a console that has a, a good variety of game types you know, you can get shmups, you can get platformers, RPGs, sports games, uh, you know, brawlers, but there's oh, and some fighting games, even though you're kind of limited, um, you know, on complexity on a lot of these compared to what what's out there now. But there's a lot of stuff like in the middle that you can just this chaff that you could just totally forget about if you wanted to. I will also say that it's one of those consoles where the, the middle is what gets you. Um, the, the high end on Super Nintendo, there's, you know, a handful of games, but then it like, you know, it, it drops out of the high end pretty quickly. But like, I remember when I was putting together my set and I was like 200 titles away and it was, but it was all like stuff from the middle. So like, you know, 40 or $50 games. And you don't realize that until you're like, oh, I'm 200 games away. And that's $12,000. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and so. the middle, and that's like all those games that are fifty dollars. Imagine they're a hundred to two hundred dollars after buying them boxed. Yeah. And that middle, is, like Stefan was saying, it is a vast ocean because I, I don't know if there's another set where the middle is so large. Like yeah. the, the average price point of that is is like a flat line of like between one hundred and two hundred dollars, and it's this large mass in the middle of the set and then there's like the bottom which is like oh you know but the that plateau there for the middle is is a long stretch right Uh, and especially because the set itself is so large like because you would say the same thing about saturn but it's like less severe because there's so you know such fewer games in that set but like super nintendo is such a big set that that middle is hundreds of games keeps going and going yeah like when the bottom end is like 100 games and the top end is like 50 games that means the rest of it is somewhere in the middle Mm -hmm. and that's not you're like oh goodness that's like 500 600 games how could that possibly be but somehow it is no one collects sets anymore. Why are we even talking about this, guys? I mean, people just want to collect the good stuff. Well, and, and we're going to we tell are. them like what the good <laughs> stuff is, but they should know about what the middle is. Um, yeah, so let's last, let's get into set collecting. Yeah, let's get into games and prices and like what the launch games were and what the last game was. Tyler. Oh. Oh no, I did this from memory, but I think I'm right. The launch games were Super Mario World and Pilot Wings, and that is it, right? I think th- I thought there was three Super oh, Nintendo launch games. No, all right, you tell me what the third one was. Uh, I'm thinking of um, I'm probably thinking of N64 because it was the exact same thing. F Zero, F Zero. Oh yeah, never mind. So yeah, so Super Mario World, F Zero, Pilot Wings, Gradius Three, and Sim City. That is a much better launch than I expected. Uh, five games, but it's an amazing launch. Like those are like I-, I have a special place in my heart for Pilot Wings, but like F Zero and Super Mario World. And Gradius 3? 
Pilot that's... Wings is pretty awesome too. I mean, even just to show Pilot off the technology, Wings. Pilot yeah. Wings is a sweet yeah. game. And then yeah, SimCity. Yeah. Like what yeah. when Sony does a console launch, what they do is they get together like twenty games just to get something crappy from every genre, and it's like here it is, and you're excited about absolutely none of them. But this is five quality games. I, I don't think I don't think it bothered me as much as when I was a kid. But like I, I remember liking F Zero when I was a kid. But as an adult, like the rubber banding AI is so brutal. Like the, everyone is always directly behind you, and it just drives me crazy. Yeah, Mario Kart's the same way. Like that early rubber band AI in those games is so is so brutal. So like the interesting thing about this too is like when you were a kid, like these were the games that pretty much everyone had because you know when, when I was a kid getting this. Kids didn't just have 40 games, you know, they just, you just like got a game or two here, there, birthday and Christmas. Sure. And those were the games you had. So, uh, you know, everyone had Super Mario World and F-Zero, you know, that was like, and Pilot Wings, like everyone had Pilot Wings. I don't know what that was, but it may have just because of launch title. So I, I remember three D Johnny. You could skydive. I, the dude, I loved, I loved skydive. I love like I was so bad skydive. at landing on that target. It was it was uh, ridiculously difficult. Pilot Links is basically the uh, like Wii Sports of uh, the Super Nintendo. Yeah, you know, or the One Two Switch, and uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> don't, don't compare it <laughs> no. to that. I mean, it is. It's basically a tech demo, right? Like they wrap some games into it, but basically, like, like this is what a Super Nintendo can do. We want to show. Yep, you. they're like, hey, we have a thing called Mode Seven. Let us show it to you. Okay, while I'm making corrections here, just a minor correction. Wikipedia says that the five launch games were Super Mario World, F-Zero, Pilot Wings, SimCity, and Gradius 3. There are numerous other sources that say it was just Super Mario World, F-Zero, and Pilot Wings. And indeed, if you go back into Usenet, you will see plenty of people complaining that there's only Super Mario World and two other games available. Those two other games being F-Zero and Pilot Wings. So just to be clear, I'm pretty sure SimCity and Gradius 3 would be considered launched window games released shortly after the console launch. That was the launch, but what was the last game, Tyler? Uh, Tell us again game, about Star Fox. Again, from uh, memory, is Frogger in 1998, I'm going to say, which was a, yep. a piece of crap Majesco release. Yep. Uh, Frogger, like what? It's such a weird game to end a console on. And then, of course, Star Fox 2 in 2018, whenever the SNES Classic came out. Guys, Star Fox 2 is the real last SNES game. Johnny, why am I? Why, why does the Lion King keep coming into my head? Is that the last European release? Maybe I I don't know honestly. When did no the Lion King come out? Like ninety six? I feel like that. No, the ninety eight would be like... very late for that. I'm gonna just Google nineteen ninety eight SNES games, and then we'll cut this out, and we'll look smart. Okay, cool. So while they're doing this, I will tell I'm you guys. Wrong. It was the um, only game released in nineteen ninety eight was Frogger, and the the one before that was in November nineteen ninety seven. Timon and Pumbaa's Jungle Games. So there was almost a year between the last two releases. Wild. And it was Frogger, of all things. Imagine being hyped for that. So I was just going to mention, we talked about the overall price of the system, but average price of a game right now, according to Game Value Now, if you're if you're looking at a place, it's about $88 for a complete in-box game. That's the average price of a Super Nintendo in-box game is $88, which is ridiculous because we've finally gotten to a point where the games are about what they cost at release because Super Nintendo games would range anywhere from like fifty to ninety dollars uh, back back in the day on release. So, and if you I, remember, it, that officially makes them a collectible, according to Harry Rinker. 
So, yep, now they are cost more than, than the retail <laughs> cost. But the loose ones are still pretty expensive, around $29. And if you're wondering what the coronavirus spike do it, did to it, uh, it was about $75 a game, $76 a game before a spike, then up to $88, and loose was uh, $22 up to $29. So, uh, it, it, that it is seems not... downright tame compared to, like, PlayStation yes. 2. Yes, PlayStation 2, PS1, all these things, like GameCube or, you know, even like Xbox where, I mean, sure, the average cost of a game is like $16, but it was $8 before that. So it doubled, which is crazy. Yeah. So Johnny, I figured it out. Uh, Lion King was the last PAL release on the NES. Hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. I just no. needed to get that out there. No problem. Okay. So we've gone that. Now let's talk about uh, the most expensive games. We already covered the competition carts, but what what is the high end for the ones we say you have to collect if you want the whole set? Someone go into that for me. All right. So this, I'm just going to list off a few of them, uh, and they haven't changed in like 20 years as far as I know. Uh, the Exertainment Double Pack Mountain Bike Rally Speed Racer is by far the most expensive I didn't even put prices. I'm guessing that costs like a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars. And then Aero uh, Fighters and Hagane. Box is twenty five, but and loose is about a thousand, and that that is the same price as it was like five years ago. Yeah, I was gonna say I think I paid nine hundred for mine loose, um, like five or six years ago. All right, let's play a game. It's called Tyler uh, gives prices off the top of his head, and Johnny corrects him. Sure. Um, Aero Fighters an arcade port uh, that just for whatever reason is super rare. Uh, it's I'm going to say seven to $900. That's kind of a game that is really hard to pin down a price on because it sells for a different amount every time. Yep. $600 is what they have it at and $1,500 complete. All yeah, right. But the, the, I think, uh, yes, the poster on everything makes a difference, but I think that particular one is known particularly for swinging wildly when it has the poster with it. True. If Air, if Arrow Fighters is less than half price to get a complete instead of card only, get Arrow Fighters complete if you're doing that. Hagane, uh, famous, uh, famously made famous by uh, James and Mike Mondays on Cinemassacre and spiked from like a $20 game to a $300 game. Now it's like a $600 game. And uh, people think it was rental exclusive, but we don't know, right? I have never seen any proof to that. Effect. Yeah, never heard anything about that. The thing is, a lot of them have rental stickers on it. A lot of the boxes are completely decimated, and uh, a lot of the labels are in super bad condition, which just and seems also- like an unfortunate side effect of a poor condition label to begin with and being a game that was largely rented. And it's also very common to find it without the manual. Yes. That's like exactly. another indicator. So there are indicators, but those that's uh, correlation and, you know... But you'll that see like a prove near mint complete in box game. It's like ha- this. There's no way this was a rental game when you look at some yeah. of these complete boxes. So seven hundred or six hundred dollars complete or six hundred dollars loose uh, to five hundred in that range and about eighteen hundred dollars complete. But I've seen it for less than that. I've seen it down at like twelve and thirteen hundred dollars complete. Yep. And that's another super condition dependent just because it's so hard to find uh, in really nice shape. And I know that because I've been looking for one for like a year and a half. And a, lot of, the, to a show, lot of the yeah. manuals, 
a lot of the manuals have like mom and pop rental stickers on them too. In fact, occasionally, I at one point I did have a boxing manual for Hagane. I ended up trading it off for a Game Boy Fiber Optic sign, which is now like a $4,000 sign. So I did okay on that. Um, but uh, occasionally I will see my manual floating around like as it's traded around because it's got a very specific like mom and pop sticker on it. Uh, I just think it's funny. Super Copa also on this list has been there forever. I'm going to say that's a $200 game. There there are five copies on eBay. Wow. All right. 150. 150. Yeah, go pick up a copy of Super Copa. I thought that Dude, game I would at one I would buy rare. that game. Yeah, I would buy that all day at 150. Is that yeah. like a Redbox Wonder Dog situation where it just happens to be flooding the market right now and no one needs a Super Copa? I don't know, but and also I don't know if that like is including the Playtronic version taking down the price at all or what, but a complete in box version is around fifteen hundred dollars. And again, this is one of the ones where the manual drives a premium because it's so hard to find a manual for it. Also, because this is a made in Mexico game, it is always, always, always trash. To find a nice copy of this game is so hard. It uh so if you are condition picky on this one, just put it in your search now and you know fight for the best copy you can and know that you know you're probably gonna have to buy one you can live with and then look to upgrade later or it could be years so i'm i'm just gonna say someone's gonna buy it now there's a 155 dollars super copra and the label looks awesome uh the only issue with it is that the back of it is completely yellowed but the label is what's always messed up on it like to the point where i'm not even looking at it that hard like is this a repro label because that label looks too good maybe that's why no one has bought that yet we should talk about back swaps um, sorry we, we have it on oh, we, that's in the be- end of the episode okay uh earthbound i don't know what that is uh pocky and rocky 2 <laughs> um, <laughs> earthbound is m- one of my favorite games no 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 yeah go back thanks uh earth earthbound uh you know it's it's uh traditionally a, a, a big box in fact only the only retail version of it is a big box um things to know the uh, it doesn't come with a standard size manual at all there is no standard size manual it only comes with a guide size manual in the back of that guide there are six scratch and sniff stickers or scratch and sniff cards um you really want to make sure uh that those cards are still in there um otherwise that manual is largely seen as hot garbage uh the the other thing you want to watch out for is that the um, the insert that hold the white cardboard insert that holds the cartridge in there is often reproduced. Now, having said that, uh, most people that I talk to don't really care if that's an original piece of cardboard versus a reproduction piece of cardboard. Um, they're white, so they do uh, discolor with age. So that's an easy tell. Um, I'm I'm not honestly familiar enough with it. Uh, on top of that to know like what the intricacies are between the differences of a new one and a, and a a vintage one. But, but again, the color of the cardboard is probably a pretty decent giveaway. Uh, That one also is really difficult to find uh, with the outer box in decent condition. And there is a, I know we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about display only boxes later in the podcast, but I'll just mention this one here. Um, Again, there is no, uh, regular sized earthbound box. So if you find one with uh, within a regular sized box, it's either a reproduction or a display only uh, demo box, which also has reproductions of the, which is ridiculous. Um, just something about that insert. I would definitely skew to try and find, even if you pay more, because people are going to care about that. Eventually it's going to be one of those things. that's going to be, 
like like the cards in the back like if the two copies you're looking at it the difference is fifty dollars for the cards or not having the scratch and sniff cards pay the fifty dollars if it's a twenty dollar difference between you know not having the correct insert and having a repro get the one with the right in you're going to be happy you did later i can sure. promise you that so and like i don't tend to now granted i don't look for them every day but i don't see a ton of like insert only listings for the like original insert no i think a lot of those are gone because people pull them out you know folded down the box and then got rid of that piece of cardboard a lot so it's going to be a piece that's hard to find and pieces like that that are hard to find you know wind up being worth money that's just how scarcity works Johnny, this list of uh, most expensive games is super boring and it's it, never shaken up as long as no. I've been collecting. Hagane, like Hagane shot up there. That was like, what, eight years ago now? Yeah, so uh, a couple We'd be more. having that same conversation with NES, though. No, NES is crazy now. Like, what, a sticker seal Mario complete in box can yeah, sell no, for $25,000? No, no, but we're not talking about that because if you're talking about sealed uh, Super Nintendo, no, games, not then, not no, sealed, not at all. Like, complete in box Mario can sell for like twenty five thousand dollars now. Yeah, like the or a, a mint condition Zelda can sell for fifteen hundred dollars for the first. Yeah, that yeah, that has not happened to Super Nintendo. There has not been this. The investor wave has not gripped Super Nintendo yet. The thing that they're really focusing on and isn't at the top of this list is original. You know, Super Mario World in a nice box those are going up in value and will continue to go up in value because it was a pack-in because they didn't produce that many and then eventually it got to just being a player's choice that that's going to be like the game that people latch on to and because it's you know like i don't know why i even need to say it. it's super mario world it's one of the greatest games ever and i don't i'm not a guy who like hands down loves every mario game super mario world is a a masterpiece of a game and you know it's a launch title that helped define the system and Mario games going forward. So, you know, and it's got a, a box that is scarce. So, you know, do the math if you're a collector on if you should get that, you know, in your in your mitts now rather than later. So we were going to talk about that in Uncommon Games that you should buy now, but it's a good time to bring it up, I guess. I guess Super Mario World Black Box might edge out into the most expensive list, but probably not. Uh, there have been a couple crazy sales lately, but usually it's been more in the 150 to 300 range historically. People are at least. No- yeah, people are noticing it more. And like as those investors come over, it's just it's not getting cheaper. It that's uh, compared to like NES prices, like where how however much you'll pay for pay for a f-ing balloon fight, like Super Mario World Black Box is the better buy right now. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some like other weird games in here. Like you can go down the list a little bit and find funning games and the funning games and final fight guy. These are kind of like the same thing a little bit that they are both hard to find. Final fight guy is an actual rental exclusive, but both of these, the manual commands a premium, a very big premium. It's hard to find, you know, they don't pop up that often, uh, you know, or if they do, the game is, you know, going to fetch much more. So if you have the manual, especially for fun and games, fun and games is a game that's like, so like final fight guy or gee, however you want to pronounce it. It's like a $150, $200 cart. The complete in box game is, you know, like 1200 to a thousand dollars. But 
uh, fun and games is a $25 cart. And then suddenly it's like an $800 game if it's complete. Yeah. And that's not the box. Cause you can find it just in the box for like two fifty. So the rest of that's manual. The manual is by far the most expensive component here. Yeah, very similar to Sculptor's Cut. Yes, it is the Sculptor's Cut of the system. And hey, it's also a trash game. Like if you go hey. by the Gen- if you buy the Genesis version of Fun and Games, you can get it for like $30 and move on with your life if you just want to play it. So like that's like the tippy top end. The other one that's on the tippy top end, but it's a variant, is Zombies Ate My Neighbor, the box art variant. Yeah, did we ever decide that that was a Mexico release? Uh, that's just like the speculation around it. It makes sense if it is, but who knows? Who really knows? It is. It is the by far the superior box art. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's got like a like a oversized caricature of the of the kid of the main character kid, and uh, he's got a like a super soaker or something, and he's sh- shooting a zombie with it. It's awesome. I don't know. Thought you gonna? I like both box arts. So fine. One's a painting and one isn't. Tyler hates <laughs> the 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 basic art for it. I I like it because it's very pulpy and it, it it's you know it speaks to a specific genre and era and I like that about it. It conveys conveys something to me. And the other it's one, a- while I think the cover is cool, it doesn't like convey the genre or the era. I uh I have fondness over that cover just because like I feel like it was something that you and I were both after when we first started to like hang out and that like that first Portland we were together there was that one that uh so that, like fun. sold in the first like five minutes or whatever yeah for, like three hundred dollars we really salty we were both super super salty about it yep so like there's other games in this top list too like you could go down you could talk Pocky and Rocky two Metal Warriors there's some other stuff in here but. Largely, as Tyler was saying, the, the top list isn't, um, it hasn't changed. So if you knew what the top games were five years ago, guess what? Still the same. Nothing, no big shakeups yet. So we'll, this is, might be something we have to revisit if investors It'll ever It'll be really exciting it. if something weird happens and it's like, oh, Super Metroid is a top 10 most expensive SNES game. I don't see that top happening, day. but... It should be, and there's like Weird some stuff. interesting variants. There's an interesting variant for it. You know, there's the Canadian version where the for Nintendo only is different. Like people don't care. People don't I care can, yet. I make sure I have none of that Canadian garbage in my collection. Yeah. Canadian yeah. games are like a step above greatest hits to me. I, I don't know if I don't know if we'll even like when when the high end market sort of catches up with Super Nintendo being awesome. I don't know that we'll even see like a wave of where like like that we saw with NES where like all of the um, CIB stuff is getting graded and is like super like expensive for dumb reasons. And because I feel like like that already happened with the NES and like people already took a bath on all those games. So I think maybe, well, I, I, I was just thinking about whether or not I, I think really history would repeat itself exactly the well, same. If people are going to pay $9,000 for Atari games that uh, were bought just like three months ago for forty dollars, you know, sealed. Yeah, but but then but the but within like three or four sales of that, like it 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 was down to which is still it's not that it to say that it was a good deal, but I think the third one that sold sold for like two thousand dollars. Man, if I could take forty thousand dollars or forty dollars and turn it into two thousand dollars, <laughs> uh, and and not being doing as well as the other guy, I think I'd still feel pretty good. No, for sure. Um, I, I get what you're saying. But, uh, you know, also, I, I think that's going to happen 
is people will start to identify the awesome stuff for Super Nintendo. And unfortunately, the top-end stuff, while those are like good quality games and they're kind of rare, it's not the Metroid, it's not the Super Mario World. So, you know, it doesn't have that cross-section of being, you know, one of the best games on the system and also very recognizably Nintendo. It doesn't scream Nintendo. So I, I think your Metroids and your your Marios and Mario World 2 and things like that are are due for um, some price increases and eventually might edge some of that stuff out if investors ever care. And, and it will be super condition dependent. So that's all I got on that. So now I guess we can move on to uh, are there actually games that aren't in this top list that are kind of rare or things that are in the, in the set that are rare that people aren't talking about? Tyler? Tyler BRB'd us. Oh, okay. I think he's still I think he's still BRB'd. Oh, I thought that was you uh, who so, BRB'd. Nope. We can start talking about the poster phenomenon. Or really even like one step further than the posters. Just game specific inserts in general are are difficult and, and expensive, but posters by far. Um I, I'd mentioned uh Arrow Fighters earlier. The Arrow Fighters poster uh, is ridiculously expensive. I see Tyler's cursor moving, so I think he might be back. I now. am back, as I said on yeah. Skype. One of the uh, Ren and Stimpy games, Johnny will know which one I'm talking about, has a poster that I think is like hundreds of dollars. Yep. Uh, oh, you won't tell us which one, Johnny. Do you want me to tell you which one? Yeah, that's I'm what not we do t- on the podcast. We give out I'm information not, I'm to not spike telling, and hype things. I'm not telling anyone. <laughs> is it Time Warp? Because I have <laughs> that sealed. you need that it, Johnny? Excited. It no, it's not. It's not time warp. It's it um, vidiots. It's not vidiots. Ooh, we're getting it's, closer. Fire dogs. It is fire dogs. Oh, it's fire dogs. It's not buckaroos. Buckaroos is the expensive one on the NES. Uh, on the Super Nintendo, it's just kind of expensive. Oh, man, how do you keep fire dogs? Is fire dogs is the uh, God? People want to say that was like a rental exclusive too. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, Fire Dogs is the Ren and Stimpy game of note on the Super Nintendo for being expensive. All right. And then the other thing I want to call that is quote unquote actually rare would be nice condition games that were made in Mexico, which we have touched on. Um, Mega Man X3 and Hagane immediately come to mind. I'm going to say maybe the rarest thing on Super Nintendo that's in the basic set if you have a mint condition copy of International Superstar Soccer, I have never seen one that's not complete in box. And that is a really hard game to find complete in box. Uh, just the cartridge alone, it wrecked every time. Everyone I talked to about this game, like hardcore collectors who collect Super Nintendo, they're just like, yeah, I had to settle for like an 8 out of 10. And like I overpaid for that 8 out of 10. Um, oh, yeah. It's like incredibly every copy hard went, game to find. went through a bed of razors before it shipped. <laughs> I don't know what happened. They made a label that just deteriorates when it's exposed to air. Um, yeah. Crazy. International Superstar Soccer Deluxe, also a really hard game to find in nice condition, but at least there's a lot more of those out there. So dumb. And that game is so dirt common, you know, in like PAL and stuff, and you can find them nice over there. It's just, it's just America that are you know, North America, I should say that you find them in such condition. It's very sad. So let's talk about some more. Uh, like uh, I said it briefly, three ninjas kickback is a hard poster to find the, another caveat with posters is depending on who released it. Uh, you know, this goes to the Mexico thing. Um, like if it was a Majesco release, if it was a later print, not all of them had posters, some 
prints, like they start to pull inserts and stuff out. So depending on which one you have, it also makes for a lot of uh, improperly married parts in games. Uh, you know, or you think you're missing it, you not you aren't, or you have a poster that you picked up, but your version isn't actually a version that ever came with the poster. A lot of that happens in Super Nintendo, and people have not done the deep dive like they have with Nintendo to suss out exactly all the versions that have should have this and which factories they came out of. Everyone, get out there, document info. Yep. Um, wh- what else? I know you want to talk about. Uh, Super Goal 2 and Syndicate and Time Tracks. I mean, I just I just put a bunch of games here that are like uncommon. I can't think of any. There's not like a game on Super Nintendo that's like, oh, my God, this game is rare. Go buy it. it kind of the expensive games mostly mirror the rarity of games, I would say. So Kinda, I, mean, I, yeah. put, I put Hurricanes. I put Chavez Super Goal 2. A Syndicate is actually pretty hard to find. I had a really tough time finding just a cart because I didn't want to pay uh, for a complete box one. I would just say buy the complete box at this point. And then time tracks and incantation, just weird games that are kind of hard to find. Oscar is another one. So what you'll notice about like, because of the middle of this is again, not totally fleshed out. So we don't, it's not, it's not that we don't know. It's that people haven't like put the focus and the total like uh frenzy on super Nintendo. So that wide swath of the middle, everything just kind of bubbles around and near each other until someone actually like like a serious run happens on it we won't know if anything is more more or you know more rare than it's currently listed at i think a lot of this stuff sits in the middle because people know it's kind of hard to find but it's not too hard to find because nothing on the super nintendo is too hard to find at this point because there isn't any delineation you know it's just like oh these are games that you'll have you'll either buy them loose or you'll try and get them in the box and that's a little harder it's not like you know nes right now where people are like well i need the uh, first print that comes with the matte black sticker that none of that is going on so we might get to a point where that happens uh not that there's sticker seals but you might get to a point where print matters and stuff and then you will see where where that when it didn't have a poster and when it did starts to matter more. Yeah, and there's a little bit of that with the Made in Japan versus Made in Mexico stuff. Um, yeah, but it's not like crazy like it is on the NES right now. No, so like generally you should skew. Uh, people prefer the not Made in Mexico stuff. You know, made, get made, the Made in America not because uh, they're racist, but because they you just generally find nicer labels. The usually the made might be racist. Uh, yes, they could be racist. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> saying they're not. That that could be a driver. It isn't for me. Usually the condition on the made in Mexico stuff is just worse. So and that's the same on Genesis as well. So you find the nicer labels there. Also, avoid Majesco releases if you can because there's a bunch. Of, we'll talk more about that. That you know Majesco came out and printed and they've got like black and white manuals versus color manuals is a thing. So if you're buying this stuff, try to get the color manual. Try to make sure your parts match and, you know, try to buy the earliest version you can. Look at multiple copies. See if all of them have a poster because so many Super Nintendo games came with posters and it's not really well documented. You know, a lot of games came with like, even if it wasn't a game specific poster, came with some sort of fold out uh, that turned into a poster of something. So be very careful when you're looking at this stuff. And, you know, like I said, spend a little more it's one of my main regrets with super nintendo that i i wasn't more picky early if i was redoing it now i would be very very picky 
um, not just on condition, but making sure I got posters because that's where the premium is. And I would be looking at every game several times and then sold listings to make sure I know exactly what is supposed to come in that game. Like reg cards too. It's another thing that uh, people obsess about like Tyler and Chrono Trigger. Yeah, I'm not I'm not crazy about getting everything 100% complete. It's just like when I do want a game like Chrono Trigger, that's like a 10 out of 10 all time classic. Like I'll I'll pay more for the condition and I'll pay more to have it complete. But there's like so many little dumb things like so many games came with like a trading card or a tattoo or, you know, just like dumb stuff you did not think about, like that it says right on the front of the box. And if you don't get it, you're probably not going to find it. You know, so like keep if you're going to own the thing, like if you're going through the trouble of set collecting, you know, you could buy a big lot and do it. But if you're being picky, which, you know, on and you're just buying the good stuff, don't just be picky, be extra picky. That's, you know, I'd say especially now, because if like prices are moving between variants on NES, eventually Prices will move between loose and complete, compl- like CIB and 100% complete games, 7 out of 10 condition and 9.5 out of 10 condition. These prices are going to expand, so you should go for the better, more complete stuff now. Right. That's what I'm saying. The difference of 10 to $20 now from like what you would look at and say, this is an 8 versus this is a 9, that $20 difference now is going to be a $100 difference or more later, especially if it like... That's the kind of stuff I'm talking. That's the world of collecting we live in now where you got to be this this picky and like think about if that money matters to you. If you're just going to put it on your shelf and be happy with it like I am, like you know, I don't have a bunch of graded stuff lying around. In fact, I have no graded games in my my room as of yet, though I've thought about grading a few. Um some of the ones I really like, but you know, if you're going to do it now or if you've got an eye for that maybe later, now is the time to get really picky. So let's talk about um, in-demand games and key franchises. We just talked a lot about like the incidental writer, so some of this we'll go over, but Super Nintendo has some key franchises in it. I would say if, like, you probably already know all the Super Nintendo games if you're listening to this podcast, and we're not going to go into every single game. I will just very quickly and broadly say Super Nintendo is primarily known probably for its RPGs, its platformers, it's updated sequels to 8-bit Nintendo games and the introduction of at least a couple of new Nintendo franchises. So uh, RPGs, obviously, Earthbound, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy 2 and 3, Super Mario RPG, Breath of Fire, Luffy, there's a bunch of smaller ones uh, beyond that. Johnny, do you have anything to say about the RPGs? No, those are the big hitters. Those are the ones you should know about. And uh, platformers, like half the console is platformers, but the big ones, Super Mario World 1 and 2, Super Mario All-Stars, Donkey Kong Country 1 through 3, Contra 3, Castlevania 4, and maybe the Super Star Wars series, just because it's a Star Wars game, not because it's the greatest games ever. Um, how? Where would you put Demon's Quest? Sure, why not? Like, that's more, um, like, I guess that's on the SNES Classic, huh? Um, yeah, I said Demon's Quest, Demon's Crest. Yeah, Demon's Crest, the sequel to Gargoyle's Quest. Right. Uh, well, but, Gargoyle's also, Quest 2 is the sequel to Gargoyle's Quest. But, um, yeah. But it, it's also just in that Ghost and Goblins, Ghouls and Ghosts franchise. So it's just like of key franchises, if you're looking at a game that people are going to identify very specifically to the system. And it's an amazing game, like something you should look at. Yep. And that's like slightly more uncommon and more on the expensive side. 
And I'm just saying that because literally all these other games we're talking about are like dirt common. Like even the expensive ones like Chrono Trigger, like there's a lot of Chrono Triggers out there. Absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of Final Fantasy 2s, but there's not an, a lot of nice Final Fantasy 2s. Okay, I've never even noticed that. I'm sure there are, and people just aren't having them leave their collection. Because if you have a nice Final Fantasy 2, you're probably a nerd, and yeah. you're like, this is my game, it's never leaving my shelf. Absolutely. <laughs> that's what all RPG people are like. Yeah. Because you've mean, dedicated I... so much of your damn time to this game, you're like, well, I guess I'm keeping this on my shelf forever now. Yeah, I told Those you. my 120 I... hours I put into that. When I started collecting, the first thing I was like, I need to rebuy all the, like, I want to buy all the games I ever beat, which was like a, a big list I made. But then I was like, but first things first, I have to get like all the RPGs. And like, there was like a few childhood classics, yeah. you know, Mario, Zelda, Metroid, Castlevania. And then it was like, oh my God, I need all the RPGs. This is the list. Everything else, <laughs> even Contra and Mega Man, those were all tertiary compared to, I spent so much of my life in this. I need this back and I want them in boxes. I'm literally looking for like the item for Path of Exile I can buy just because there's like hundreds of hours of my life in that game. Like I want something to identify with it. There's like a crappy comic and like an art book. Like I don't know what I want yet, but I want something for Path of Exile. So I totally get the RPGs holding their values so well. Did you talk about updated sequels yet? Uh, no, I did not. Okay. So there are some updated sequels uh, that are key for people to know about. Super Punch-Out!, Zelda Link to the Past, Super Metroid, Castlevania 4 is uh, another big one that uh, people don't get. I mean, technically, Mario World, Contra 3, all the platformers also go in this category. Yes. But, you know, um, there, you know, there's some Kirby, what what is it? Uh, Kirby's Dream World. Dreamland uh, 3 3 and Kirby Superstar are here. Although Kirby Dreamland 3 is really the updated sequel that you'd be talking about. That's that's the one I'm talking about. So, I mean, and there's a lot. Super Nintendo has a lot of sequels, but probably this is the thing about it. It doesn't have enough sequels, you know, as far as what for like what it is. Uh, Like there's not another, there's not like a good Mario sequel. There's not another Zelda sequel, like for a system that lasted as long as it did and as popular as it is, it should have more sequels of, of key franchise games. And it does not. So I think that's like the weird part is like a lot of those super good stuff came out like really early on and then didn't have sequels. Like I guess Mario world, it it had super Mario world too. And that is another fantastic platformer. Um, We didn't get a bunch of Donkey Kong country. Zelda went to the past. Super Metroid didn't get a sequel like F zero. Like what happened? Star Fox. I mean, Nintendo doesn't Star- like making F-Zero sequels. Let me tell you something, Johnny. They, they're they sure, done with F-Zero. Unless you go on to the GBA or the GameCube. Um, yeah. But uh, also, uh, there was some new franchises. You put Star Fox and F-Zero. And you put Donkey Kong Country up in the platformers. But Donkey Kong Country is also kind of... It started here. Like, Donkey Kong is a thing, but Donkey Kong Country is its own franchise. Same sure. with Mario Kart. Like is another big. Oh deal. yeah, I didn't even put this Super is, Mario Kart on here. Yeah, this, this is like where Mario Kart's at. Like things you think of as like tentpole Nintendo stuff. This is where it started. Also, you know, like some of these games, like Super Metroid, Zelda: Link to the Past, they're considered not just the best games on the system, but some of the best games of all time. And they, this is this is the system that housed them. It's like set the gold standard for all these series from here on out. You might love you know, Mario 64, but you know, super Mario world was the one that set the standard 
like to begin with. It wasn't Super Mario Brothers. Like that's a great fun game. Mario 3, yes, but Super Mario World like took it to the next level. Same with Link to the Past. There's been other great Zelda games, but like that was the one that said, okay, everything else, like this is the one that is so key to the development that without this, you know, you can't move forward. So, you know, Super Nintendo did that to a lot of franchises, uh, even if they were sequels, uh, you know, just had these giant impacts on the video game landscape and on Nintendo itself. That's true. And that's why uh, we can we can categorically prove you, you go search IGN Game Pro. I don't even know what websites are out there anymore. You look for like their top 100 games of all time and like half of their top 10 list is going to be Super Nintendo games. And that is categorical proof that moving to 3D ruined video games forever. Oh, <laughs> so thanks for listening to Collector's Quest. Where uh, we keep it focused on old stuff. Yeah, kind of like we don't always we can talk about it. we talk about new stuff. All right. Well, those uh, are those are the kind of key games. There, there's probably more like even like Sim City and like people like the ActRaiser games. There's so much on Super Nintendo. But look, I mean, at the it's Super a library of 722 games. Wow. You, you know, it, it's it's a lot of games. So, Johnny, what are the super cheap games you should buy? Literally everything we just listed. We're not even going to go over yeah. this. All the key titles, like. What's a cartridge of F Zero cost? Seven dollars. Go get it. Like, go buy a complete in box. Go, uh, go, go get buy one of those your Mario Kart. Player's Choice copies. Whatever you think Mario Kart costs, and like, if it's too much money, it isn't. Just go buy it. Same with all the Donkey Kong countries. You know, I got a weird thing. I really don't like uh, monkeys and apes and simians and chimpanzees. Like that whole grouping. I really don't like them. So as a kid, because there was this monkey, uh, and I'm correct in here, it's a monkey uh, that used to be on this wire in a neighbor's house, and it would sometimes get off and chase us. I think I've said that before. But because I hated that monkey so much, it I have like this transference, so I never wanted to play any of the Donkey Kong Country games. I never played any of them. Still to this day, I've not played a Donkey Kong Country. What? <laughs> Yeah, like I, I, I won't thought this be Don- was going to end with like, but the Donkey Kong Country games are so good that now it's my favorite trilogy on the SNES. Nope. Like people asked if I wanted or to trade, and I was big on trading for any games. Wouldn't I won't play DK in any of the Smash Brothers? I just, just a, a hard pass. Like any game, like Ape Escape and all this stuff. If, if it's titled like that, I just want nothing to do with it. <laughs> I'm back. What are you talking about? Uh, talking, about talking about how cheap I, games you should buy. Oh, no, we're talking how about I how dislike, hates monkeys. Yeah, uh, primates in general. Like huh. an extreme, an extreme dislike, uh, so much so that I won't play the Donkey Kong Country games. So like then Andros in oh. Star Fox, who is both a monkey and a mech. Is God, that just must be like. Yeah, he's very hateable. Awful. Yeah, he's super hateable. Happy to shoot him <laughs> in the face. Yeah. So, uh, we were just talking about super cheap games you should buy. Um, you know, Star Fox. It, it, we already went over all that. So, yeah. Good. It, as Tyler says here in our note, it, in the past three years, if you don't know what Super Nintendo games to buy, um, go buy a Super Nintendo Classic, read the back of the box, and then go buy all of those games. So, yep. all right. So, let's get... Updated sequels. That was uh, Whoever wrote that, that's a good, uh, that's a smart thing. <laughs> yes, we had a whole conversation about it. Yeah, so let's, smart guy. let's uh, talk about collector stuff, even though all we've been doing is talking about collector stuff. They're like, this is the, into the nitty gritty um, 
a little bit. So it's a big let's, list of let's things we wanted to piece. talk about. Yeah. Variants, cool corner case stuff, screw variants, things like that. This is what we're getting into. And we talked about this one already, Tyler. Tell us about that Super Mario World again. Just a quick one. I'm just editing out some incorrect Super Mario World information we might have said again. The retail black box Super Mario World is rare and interesting because so many Super Nintendos were bundled with a cartridge of Super Mario World. So again, just to be clear, it came out a little less than a year into the Super Nintendo's lifespan. And then I guess for sake of thoroughness, the Player's Choice one came out in like 1996. And then there are three major variants you're going to see, at least that I know of. There's the regular first print black box. There's a black box where the code has a dash one at the end. And you can look at the for sale and use in the USA, Canada and Mexico text on the back of the box. And the original print has that little red box above it. And that's in line with the UPC. And then on the dash one release, the top of that red box only goes about halfway up the UPC. And then there's a Canadian black box, which has both uh, English and French text in that little kind of aquamarine text on the, the front of the box that I don't remember what it says. And so I would personally, at this point, just go get those first print black boxes because that's a cool freaking game. Yep. Uh, have you heard uh, Super Mario World might be a good game? Yeah. I did not know about that minus one variant. Now I have to look at my box. I believe it is both a uh, manual and a box variant. And, and, and I, a cartridge, maybe? So maybe look uh, look into the Dash 1 variant, because uh, we kind of make these outlines just based on what we're thinking about. So yeah, now I have to look at mine, and I'll be out there buying one that isn't a minus one if I can. And then just one more Mario thing to look out for. Earlier releases of the game had Super Mario World printed on one line on the cartridge, and then the later releases had Super Mario World, I believe Super Mario at the top, and then World printed on a second line. So if you are trying to find a 10 out of 10 Super Mario World card to pair with your black box, you want to get the 10 out of 10 that has the Super Mario World written on one line. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the last time we screwed up talking about Super Mario World. I'm sorry about all the corrections in this episode, but we were just way off base, uh, just specifically with this retail copy of Super Mario World. Uh, we made a lot of incorrect statements in the episode. And hey, I guess as payment for getting uh, all this information wrong and having to make all these corrections, I'll give you one more Super Mario World variant. Uh, for the cartridge that has Super Mario on one line and then World on the other, that comes with the uh, original locking cartridge, not the one with kind of the the ramp on it. There's a, a misprint where the seal of quality was printed backwards. And it's not exceptionally rare, but even among the correct label variant and correct cartridge shell variant, it is still pretty uncommon uh, to find these. And there's basically no price difference, so uh, I don't know. Go look for them. They're fun. So I, I've got one more, like, we're going to get into more variants and stuff, too. But one of the big variants that happens, too, is because during the Super Nintendo's life cycle, it is the the ESRB happens. So there was, like, a grading scale that is then revised by the ESRB system that comes in. So you you will see games that have the earlier rating scale on it and then the adapted ESRB scale on it, uh, you know, in the box. So... Look for those, uh, you know, if you're looking at a game and you see two, you know, and it's around that time, you can see like on the Zelda player's choice, for instance, there's one that, uh, is an E for everybody. And then, um, I forget what the other rating was, but the earlier version does not have that E it has, has the earlier rating on it. So just, uh, be careful of that as well. So that's, that's, that's one cool of the big tip, Johnny. It's a big variant that's around. Um, you know, through all of Super Nintendo, just games that came out and re-releases. So that's kind of one of the ways to see if you have later prints is, you know, 
and to see if your parts are married correctly, if your box has, uh, you know, an E on it and your cart doesn't, then you got incomplete, you've got the wrong parts together. I have no idea if this affects Super Nintendo, but I guess it goes up to 1998. Also know that the uh, uh, later ESRBs ratings are a solid black and the earlier ones are the white kind of ones that have the dissolve effect around it. So if you, ha- you ever see both of them, you want the one that's a white ESRB rating. All right. So, huh. so uh, but I don't think that affects Super Nintendo. That that's pretty on the edge there. And maybe Frogger. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe Frogger. So let's talk about uh, one of the biggest uh, things you can find in Super Nintendo collecting. The biggest, Johnny. Yeah. Whoa. See what I did there? Big box games. Stefan, <laughs> you love big boxes. You love a big box. Tell us about them. Well, when you said the biggest thing you could find, the first thing I thought was the exercise bike. So now I'm thinking about the exercise bike. <laughs> we're talking uh, about the exertainment bike. <laughs> the biggest bike uh, so, so there were some um, some really cool big boxes, um, and they're all. I will say that they're all except for the. Is it Lethal Enforcers the one that's like a slightly different shape? Or maybe it's it's lethal enforcers. It's, it's and longer. Super Bomberman. It's longer. Yeah. and it's uh, wider too. So, um, yeah. yeah, and the super Which bomber matters if you're if you're crazy people like us that do um, box protectors on like everything you possibly can. Um, the the Super Game Boy, the Mario Paint, and the Earthbound are all the same size box, uh, and then uh, Super Bomberman. Uh, it actually does. They they do make a box protector for it, but it is different. And then nobody makes a box protector, to my knowledge, for lethal enforcers because it's dirt ass common, even complete, and nobody cares. But it's so um, dumb because there's one for the Genesis and there's one for the Sega CD. So these boxes are everywhere. Please just build one. I can buy. I'll buy three of them. You get me for three. <laughs> and I did not know that there was a Bomberman one. I. I'm glad you told me that because I would like one for my bomber, man. Yeah, I don't know if it was like a short run or something. I know I have one, so someone did make one. Also, the um, Super Game Boy uh, big box is also the same size as the Earthbound and the Mario Paint. Also, the Mario right. Paint Player's Choice is also a big box where, you know, some big boxes on later systems, like it just came down to the cart only version, like the smaller box version. But this Player's Choice is a big box. Uh, and that is because the Super Mario Paint, of course, if you don't have one uh, to know, comes with a hard plastic mouse pad and a mouse. Uh, yeah, so uh, the Super Game Boy obviously is uh, is a cart that allows you to play your Game Boy games on your Super Nintendo, but not your Game Boy Color games. So uh, yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah, get a it'll, Game Boy. It'll tell you. Get a Game Boy. It'll player. tell you very rudely too. Yeah, get a Game Boy Player yeah. and a GameCube. And then get past that. Or if you want to stick to the Super Nintendo, Tyler, tell them what they're supposed to be playing on their Super Nintendo. Gotta be getting a Super Game Boy 2, which was only released in Japan, which is more accurate to the original Game Boy hardware, Johnny. But also, you have to play these on a Super NT where you can set up the settings so you can have pixel-perfect Game Boy at full screen, and it's a huge pain in the ass to set up. Yeah, there's uh, the Super Game Boy Two uh, is a international, is Japanese only, I believe, and uh, the the difference there, as as Tyler had mentioned, is um, there's a the clock speed is slightly different, and um, and there is a link cable access port so that you can trade your Pokemans with your Super Game Boy. 
for people so who if you that. have a game boy and a super game boy 2 you can trade with yourself because everyone i know only traded pokemon with themselves <laughs> <laughs> earthbound i covered ad nauseum earlier um lethal enforcers johnny is there a is there a gun color variant on super nintendo for lethal enforcers i don't know if it comes with the pink gun or not um you know that that's i feel like we would I, see way more pink guns if it did yeah we could probably google this in about two seconds i feel like i've seen a pink gun for it but i, I don't know if that's official or not if someone just changed the shell because the shell would be the same you mean a pink gun that's I, not the player two gun yeah that's what, what i'm what i'm saying is like you could buy the genesis one and swap the shell to a super Nin- on the Super Nintendo, you know, cable like that would be easy. And then suddenly you've got a Super Nintendo pink gun. Ooh, I like it. Uh, I do not own CIB copies of the Carmen Sandiego game. Someone else want to talk about those? Uh, the, well, one comes with an almanac and one comes with an encyclopedia. Cool. What about the uh, are the box sizes similar to Genesis and NES or? What? Yeah, they're similar and they are not the same size, unfortunately. So they're not the same size as uh, the Lethal Enforcers or the Mario Paint. They're not even the same size as each other. You know, they're not the same size as the Xbox. They're basically made special to fit these books, but they are the same size boxes between Super Nintendo and Genesis. So there you go. Got it. The last one I want to talk about is the Maximum Carnage QVC set. This was an exclusive. We've talked about this before on other podcasts, but... Um, and it was an exclusive through the QVC shopping network. Um, and the, I will say if you buy one sealed, it's basically impossible to tell, uh, what it is from the outside. So that's fun. You don't know if you're getting Super Nintendo or Genesis. So that's great. Um, but on top of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably weigh them. That's actually good. So yeah, weigh weigh your sealed (laughs) QVC games. (laughs) <laughs> um uh but you know but finding one sealed is like fucking impossible anyway so whatever um i've seen someone who has two and shut you know up. who it is <laughs> the other thing i will say is the insert so the the game comes with a hardbound um trade not trade paperback but like the collected volume for the uh for the maximum carnage uh comic book arc so we on this particular one, even though that we're like now currently competing with comic book collectors on f-ing everything, uh, this particular one, uh, we've been competing with comic book collectors for a long time because that that was the only way that you could get that hardbound Maximum Carnage comic was in this set. Um, it also comes with a set of three pins and a uh, of a non customized certificate of authenticity um that just says uh the edition size does anybody remember what the edition size is i don't think it was three thousand but we don't know if it's three thousand each or total right and then so the the to that end it's also important to know that the the box or the the piece of cardboard that the the insert that the game fits into is also identical uh for both releases so if you wanted to, I'm not saying that I do this, but I've said that I do this before anyway, um, is that uh, if you swapped a Genesis game or the Genesis game for the Super Nintendo game, it would be the I- identical item. Like, there's no difference. 
True. Uh, The Genesis one looks cooler because Maximum Carnage is right side up instead of being sideways and stupid like the SNES one. Agreed. There you go. And I was wrong. It was actually 5,000, not 3,000. I'm just saying for your like set Instagram or your your hot Instagram posts, you can can take two pictures and swap the game and say you have both. So I want to clarify something on Lethal Enforcers. The Player 2 gun, uh, the way it hooks up is not like through the Player 2 port. It's got like... um, it's like a like an Ethernet or like old phone oh, cable. Like a phone cable. Yeah. So RJ forty five. So technically, that should work with the Super Nintendo as well. Yeah, I'm sure it's the same thing. So the more or, you so know. no, I don't know how headlight guns work. So I think you could just buy the Player Two gun for Genesis and then go plug it in with your Super Nintendo. So, but if you wanted a pink shell, I'm sure you could swap out. The pink shell on uh, just destroy the like shell. the desirable gun to make your gun pink. Yeah, I have two of the pink guns, so you know whatever. Because oh. some of us a, have zero pink well, guns, Johnny. Well, because there's a variant of the pink gun. There's one that's like a very bubblegumish pink, and then there's one that's more of a salmon. Oh my god, Johnny is the is the top hat Stefan voice and the top hat Johnny voice the same voice? Mm-hmm. Um, no, because is that that top, was pretty top hat Johnny. No, it wasn't. That was like nerdy variant Johnny. I was like, no, guys, what I really mean to say is that there is a variant um, where the colors are slightly adjusted. And in the, in the later print, the, the dyeing wasn't exactly accurate. So instead of the bright pink in which they intended, we've got a salmon colored one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Ah, thank you. I needed that. <laughs> no problem. Happy to oblige. Uh, I think that's all I got. Anybody want to talk more about any more big boxes? Uh, we didn't mention that Super Bomberman also has a... <laughs> so oh, yeah. Super Bomberman has a small box variant, and it's more expensive than the big box variant, or at least equal priced, which is a little bit weird. Well, oh. no. Let's, if we're going to talk about the Super Bomberman, one, it kind of... The big box version is called the party box and the reason our party pack. And the reason it's called that is it comes with a hub so you can play uh, four players, right? And it's got like the honeybee in there. And so you can plug in multiple because uh, that's how you play Bomberman with friends. So it's got that. There is a regular small box version, which is the most expensive version. You would think the one that comes with the honeybee in the bigger box because Super Nintendo, that would be the more expensive. It is not. And then there is another less expensive version of the small box, which is a full art box. Uh, it doesn't have the normal Super Nintendo uh, typical iconography on the box, like the typical layout that they have, like where the title and everything goes. It's just like full art, Super Bomberman, missing a bunch of the regular Super Nintendo. And that one is also cheaper. And you would think that one should be more expensive too, because it's like a weird variant. Nope. That's another one where they say that was the rental box. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's weird that both of these that should seem like in normal collecting would be more expensive are not. It's just the standard box is the most expensive box for Bomberman. It's very weird to me. Yeah. And they're all very expensive, like hundreds of dollars for pretty much all of these. Um, like Super Bomberman small box, not a game I usually think about when I think of like, oh, that's an expensive game, but it certainly is. Yeah. You want to spend $300 on a game, three to 400, Ugh. go buy a Bomberman small box. You want to spend 250, go buy the party pack, which you should do anyways, because it's got a useful item in it. 
Because you're definitely going to have five people over to play Super Bomberman. Look, that that's the retro collector's uh, lie, right? That they tell <laughs> yeah. they tell themselves, I can play these with my friends. I'm not just collecting. It's not just a thing that sits on my shelf. I can play these. Bullshit. I, I better get two Saturn multi-taps just in case nine other people come over. <laughs> we're going to play that bomber, Bomberman, you know, so we're going to get it. It's the best one. And then everyone comes over and they're just like, oh, let's just find some digital PS4 game to buy so we don't have to hook all that crap up. Can't you just put, play Jackbox games on like your Apple TV? Can we just do that? It's so much easier. I will say that playing the uh, the GameCube Mario Kart at Portland via LAN is pretty f***ing cool. Like, of the, of the setups that you have to like go out of your way to do, like that was actually pretty neat. Like we already kind of talked about publisher variants, but there are some more notes that we should put out. We talked about the, you know, the assembled in Mexico versus assembled in the U.S. And we kind of talked about Majesco, but can Tyler, can you fill us in a little more on that? So I just wanted to point out with uh, Majesco basically purchased and re-released dead video games, which is not like today where you would take a game that's five years old and now it's this retro gem and you can re-release it and double the frame rate and everyone loves you. Uh, Majesco bought games like Super Castlevania 4 and Mega Man X and Earthworm Jim 2, like major games. And then they released their crappy uh, lower quality label, black and white manual uh, no poster type releases for uh, a whole ton of games, like a lot of Disney games as well. Um, so generally look for the first prints on that kind of stuff. I- I'll say notably, nobody counts these in their set lists. Everyone has like all these different publisher variants on their stupid Game Boy and NES unlicensed lists. Basically no one counts these. And another huge reason that this is, that this frustrates me kind of, is uh, Majesco also has their white label releases, which were these late release kind of budget, we have leftover cartridges, but we don't have labels for them type releases where they stuck a generic label on the cartridge shell that looks like somebody printed it in their garage. They didn't even spell the full name of the game sometimes. They didn't spell uh, They didn't spell all the words correctly. They spelled Scooby-Doo wrong. It spelled yep. Scooby-Doo incorrectly. And it, and it just says Scooby-Doo. Like, there's no... Uh, It's also WF WrestleMania instead of WWF WrestleMania. And there are dozens of these. And I don't think we even have a full list of every single game that was released in this white label format. But if you're a person who thinks that publisher variants count as part of the set, I guarantee you don't have these stupid white label Majesco releases as part of your set. You have Majesco Mega Man X and a stupid white label version as part of your set. I don't think so. Yeah, that, that I've only seen like one of ever. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're, like, looking for a specific one that's not, like, Contra 3, which is one of the more common ones, like, good luck with these. Something also to note, so going back to how these were distributed, um, the, basically when Majesco decided, you know, like, okay, well, the the Super Nintendo is aging out, we kind of went out of this game, they basically started dumping, rather than spending the money to put boxes and manuals together, they dumped... Uh, they dumped all these cartridges into like the wholesaler market. Right. So they were like selling off a glut of these games. And that's why they, they didn't bother to print labels for them either. They just like basically sold them to the lowest bidder. And, um, so the other thing that I wanted to point out is that sealed for these Majesco white label games is actually a poly bag. So it's just a taped poly bag. And that's how they all came. 
Uh, so if you're looking for a quote unquote sealed copy of this, and honestly, the only one that I've ever seen sealed is the Contra one. Some guy had him on eBay for a while. He had a ton of them that were sealed and, uh, that's where I got mine. But yeah, they just came sealed it tape sealed, like scotch tape sealed in, in a plastic bag. Yeah, those Contra 3s were just one of these items, like basically everything Deal Tavern has is one of those things that you see for so long, you're just like, if I really want that stupid thing, I could buy it. And then one day I bought it and it disappeared. And now it's like, oh, I can't get that anymore. And I think that's kind of cool. So uh, whenever yeah, I see thing, cool like, stuff like that, I'm just buying it immediately now. Yeah, even so uh, to that point, I think anytime you see somebody, if there's like a glut of something on the market, but it is coming from one source, you have to understand that like when that source does eventually run out, there may not be another source. So like like the dude that has like a gajillion like sealed uh, Aladdin deck enhancers, yeah. like that that's someday that's going to dry up, right? And then all of a sudden no one's going to be able to get sealed deck enhancers, even though they've been like crazy, crazy common for years. True, true. All right. What other uh, publisher variants do we have? I, I just wanted to point out JVC and THQ Super Star Wars JVC put out the first releases of the Super Star Wars games and THQ put out the re-releases of Super Star Wars games. So if your Super Star Wars says THQ on it, it is garbage. It is garbage. Yeah, it's garbage. trash. Literally didn't know that until Johnny told me that like a year or two ago. And uh, uh, how quickly did you replace yours? I don't think I replaced them all yet. Uh, like, I don't think I have Empire. I don't care about Empire's the Super the Star one. Wars games. I, I have a Return of the Jedi and I have the Super Star Wars. Well, Stefan, um, I know you talked a bunch about the big boxes, but you did not get to talk about Illusion of Gaia. So I'll, I'll let you mm. talk about this one. So, yeah, uh, the uh, Illusion of Gaia had a promotional that, you know, uh, while supplies last kind of deal uh, where uh, it came in a clamshell, which is ba basically like... Um, you know that packaging that you like always hate to open that you have to like cut open with scissors, the like plastic clamshell packaging basically came in something similar to that. So the, the game, it's the same box, um, but it's a sealed copy of uh, Illusion of Gaia. And then right above it, uh, it, uh, it has a, a folded Illusion of Gaia t-shirt. And it's my favorite t-shirt, actually. I own four of them because I, I wear them and they're all slowly degrading. But... Um, and every time I have to buy a new one, it's more expensive, which is great. But yeah, so and then and then just just in case you weren't sure whether or not there was a T-shirt in your clear packaging with a giant T-shirt in it, there's a sticker on it that says "comes with a free T-shirt." So <laughs> just just to just to to sell it. Um, so yeah, that's the the illusion of Gaia T-shirt pack. The T-shirt so good, so good. Cool. Where yeah. did Johnny leave us? Maybe. Oh, oh, Johnny did leave us. Oh, this is one of those moments. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. What are you talking about? Oh, all right. We were uh, talking about zombies that are neighbors. These aren't really variants. I don't even know why I put this here. We were just like listing a whole bunch of cool things on the Super Nintendo. Uh, there's a, a a series of medical games. So Captain Novalin is a, is that a diabetes game? I don't remember. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, and then Rex Ronin is a game where you shrink down and go into fight diseases. I don't remember if that has a specific uh, thing. Packy and Marlin, I believe, has the subtitle Learn About Diabetes with Two Wacky Pals or something like Diabetes. that. Diabetes. Yeah. And then Bronchi the Bronchiosaurus is an asthma game where you learn about asthma. 
And uh, all of these are fairly rare, but it's all they're also the type of games where they're pretty easy to find sealed because there's just leftover stock because it's all this weird garbage. Um, and it's just this very interesting series of games. I tried to play through Bronchi once and it was just not not a thing I ever want to do again. Oh, no. I, yeah. You might want to play through Packy and Marlin. And uh, this is in the variant section because of the Captain Novalin variant that Johnny knows about. There's a there's a sleeve, right? So there was like a, you could get this at like your doctor's office. Um, there was like you could theoretically check it out. So it had this sleeve that you could like kind of library style check out sign and then go. Um, for a long time, this was super hard to find in the sleeve, and then it became pretty common to find it. Like it was like at one point like a five hundred dollar game. And that, like, if you found it with the sleeve and then it was everywhere for a while, and it was like 200, but now I think it's hard to find again. So that's, yeah, I haven't seen any now. I'm not saying that they haven't graded any, but I haven't seen any graded copies with the sleeve unless they're not putting, man, unless they don't fit I, or I should, like that. That might be it, no, it should fit because it's a standard Super Nintendo. It's just a little bit wider, uh, because of that, but there should be room in the water games because I've seen some Novelins graded recently, but they weren't, they didn't have the. The man i should say oh it's like a vhs one. cover it looks yeah. exactly like uh all right what that's yeah, so it's stupid it's so boring it it's makes so your boring. game look worse yeah it, this is like i have it up on my top shelf and you can't see it you can only see like the white sleeve kind of around it and then because you can only read captain novelin if uh the spine is faced out yeah it's it's a real dumb one so yeah uh that's those um I'll we got NFRs to talk about some games that kind of stick out in this uh, system. These aren't variants, but I mean they're they're label variants. No, I mean not really. They're, they're just like box style variants, but uh, NFRs stick out. So yeah, like the yeah, label itself, I mean it has a, a thing over it. So let, let's talk about that. It, it's, I'm not saying it's not a variant. It, it's just you know there, yeah. there's nothing so, that exciting about them. So there are 14, there's 14 not for resale, official, like, actually printed as part of the label not for resale uh, games for the Super Nintendo that were for the SNES kiosk, mainly. Um, and so uh, the the 14 in particular actually have badges printed as part of, you know, it's not a sticker on top. It's not, a, it's actually printed into the label that say not for resale. The, the, the Donkey Kong competition cartridge also says not for resale on it. Um, but we don't count that because it's its own thing. Um, but yeah, so these are, these were uh, games that were meant for the Super Nintendo kiosks. Now, Nintendo also did sticker not for resale games um and but that was for various things either for kiosks or like members of team Nintendo which were like the people who would go around and um and advocate for Nintendo to like retailers like oh you should carry our product and here it is um so they would sticker the games with not for resale stickers typically on the back um which is why you have to be a little bit careful with uh, not for resale stickers because someone could conceivably back swap, you know, the back of a Hagane or something, and now you have a not for resale Hagane, and that I don't know if that commands a premium or not, or if it would. And then the other way that not for resale stickers also get put on is is any time Nintendo sold a game to an internal employee, uh, if it was a loose copy, they would put a not for resale sticker on it, um, just to signify that it had been. It had been sold internally. 
So, um, so that's sort of the the three ways that you would get a not for resale sticker. Uh, most of the time, um, people don't consider not for resale stickered cartridges as part of the not for resale set. I've seen people make arguments for it, but again, with like the notion of being able to back swap, um, it's that's that's a hard sell for me personally, and a hard sell for most of the people that I've talked to who are really into NFRs. But uh, but yeah, there are there are a grand total of fourteen of the um, of the actual printed into the label not for resale games. And I, all of those, their end label also has big red text that says "not for resale" instead of the title of the yeah. game, right? Yeah, so. right. And it's st- stark white, and it says uh, "not for resale" in red. So you'll basically never find them just happenstance looking through a store because they stick out like an absolute store sort them. Yeah. Now, sticker "not for resale" stuff you can f- I, I've found it in stores and stuff too, but okay. Yep, and I I don't know how expensive are these. So I, I actually looked at a couple of these uh, not that long ago, and like. Ken Griffey Jr.'s winning run, like a licensed athletic game with like a pretty popular dude. I saw it going for $35 and no one was buying it. But I imagine some of the more yeah. popular stuff is more expensive. They do vary wildly and and the rarity is different. Like uh, off the top of my head, the Mortal Kombat 2 NFR game is significantly mm, yeah. more rare and more expensive. Um, I honestly can't speak to price off the top of my head because uh, I bought them a long time ago. Oh, you've got them all right. You're so smart, Stefan. I think I saw Mortal Kombat 2 selling in the range of 500 pretty recently. Yeah. All right. Colored boxes, Johnny. Do we? Well, are we talking about colored boxes? We are, like but a, I want part of I the want, trivia show. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about colored boxes, but also uh, something about Canadian variants too, which I don't think we touch on enough. So a lot of the Canadian manuals will have a white corner, like it, it'll just be like the corner, the back corner of the manual. Um, you know, where the spine, the upper corner, you know, if you're looking at it on the left hand, upper left, it's just like a stripe and it's cut white. That's the manual. Um, aside from like the French text on it, you know, you'll, you'll see that, uh, that usually indicates a different language, but also those French Canadian boxes will also have a white tab. So if you open up the box, there's an actual white tab. So if you're unsure, if you're getting a Canadian game, uh, that the way to tell is one looking at the manual and, and the cart carefully, like the front of the box, like you can't tell sometimes, uh, or like there won't be enough French text on there, especially like the ESRB is usually the first place to look. Um, but if that's not there, check, check for that tab, check to see any French language. And then I like, especially check the backs. Also the back of the manuals usually also have a big red stripe. So that's a way to check to see if you have a French Canadian uh, game in your collection. So you could throw it out. Yep. So you could trash it. So, cause they're not as good. Yeah. Who cares? Gross. Uh, uh, just to go back to it real quick. Uh, game value now actually does track some of the NFRs. NFRs is one of those topics where they track some and not others, but they are tracking Mortal Kombat two. And uh, the average price right now is $577. Look at me being pretty close to accurate. You did it, Tyler. So colored boxes, uh, the only bringing this up, because the Super Nintendo is one of the most uniform, boring things to look at. Uh, it's less boring than the PlayStation 1, but it, it's not that exciting because it's not very colorful. Like, if you look at the PAL stuff, it is so colorful and, like, weird. And, like, the Mario box is, like, this bright yellow, like Super Mario World. It's awesome. The Kirby box is, like, this bright pink. It looks so cool. 
But uh, for me, who has got a little OCD and likes uniformity, you just get this black wall if you're collecting US Super Nintendo, except for like two dumb games. Uh, you've got Riddick Bow, which has like a white end for some reason, and Final Fight Gay, which is orange. The rest is of it them, always orange? It isn't always orange. Because there's one rare instance, again, speaking of Canada, where they, like, in a warehouse, there's this, like, I'm not sure how many copies were even found, but I know of at least one. I thought it was one. Yeah, like, I don't know if it's more than that. I'm just, I know that there is one. So it's a black box Final Fight Guy, or Guy, again. Um, and it's like this weird absurdity. Like, they said this was the one that was going to be the retail release, or maybe it wasn't going to be in Blockbusters in Canada. Maybe it wasn't going to be a rental exclusive in, like, Quebec or something. But they... They changed their mind or whatever. So this one version of it's been found. It is the most absurd. There's not even a price because it it was for sale on eBay for a long time. And I think it was for sale for $100,000 or something like five or six years ago, maybe 10 years ago even. And it, I don't know if it ever sold or like it was just an intention grab. But uh, that's like one strange variant. Uh, the other like weird box in the Super Nintendo set besides like the big boxes, Robocop versus Terminator, which comes in this terrible terrible plastic box it looks so cool until i got my hands on one and realized it's such a piece of garbage yeah because the whole the whole thing is not plastic it's a plastic front shell and then a like a uh like a, a cardboard, cardboard tray tray it's, uh is yeah and and i i haven't seen one sealed so i don't know if they like really actually crammed a manual into there or like fold it in half or whatever but there's no way in hell that a standard size manual uh fits in that plastic box either so uh maybe they shrink wrapped it to the outside i don't know if, if somebody actually has a, a factory sealed robocop versus terminator i would be interested in seeing it yeah, so go ahead and me. open it and tell us uh oh yeah i, I didn't even notice so i've I never noticed i just happen to have the game right next to me yeah the manual is totally just straight up folded in half and crammed in here huh yeah. I just don't know if that's something that they did in the factory or not, like, or if it's just like as soon as everyone opened it, they just were like, "Well, I guess there's no other option," oh, and just like fold it in half and stuck it in there. Interesting. No, I don't know the answer. And then uh, I just uh, there's also Pac-Man Two has a lenticular cover apparently, which I just learned today. Yep. I already knew about the Genesis version, but apparently the first prints on SNES or every version on SNES. Has a lenticular cover? Nope, not every. There's, in fact, I think another variant of it, too. Um, but yeah, there's the standard version, the lenticular, and then I think there's like a Majesco copy. Okay. And I, yeah, that seems like a candidate for a Majesco, like 100%. Is there a, um, is there a copy of, because Claymates had a lenticular cover. I don't, I, has anybody seen a non-lenticular cover of that? People have, but it's just because the lenticular cover fell off. But but it's black underneath because I know because the one I the that happened oh, yeah. the one that I got from you oh yeah yeah that, I mean <laughs> it happens to all of them it's literally just put on with rubber cement so anytime you yeah, want yeah. to fix it um, I was just curious if there was enough yeah I don't, Whoa, I don't are you know talking if, about uh, restoration Johnny Jesus Christ yeah yeah man just do it for for that <laughs> playmates game. also on your black box NES games go ahead and take that sharpie and uh, color in yeah any white any white stuff cracks, yeah. yeah just do it. Do we talk about how I saw a video on Reddit where someone was like condoning that like an actual thing you should do, like not as a joke? <laughs> He's like, this is how you restore your boxes. And he was doing like some stuff where he was like pressing it or ironing it or something. It's like, all right. And they started coloring in it all black and made it look like a total piece of garbage. 
Nice. That yep. that is a terrible idea. Reddit's a great place. Yep. For collectors to, to go on Reddit. The... Don't listen to anything on Facebook. They're all lies, and no one actually knows what's going on. Yeah. Listen to Just the Collectors to Quest us. podcast, where we are right a hundred percent of the time. Oh, yes, and no. there's absolutely no other podcast talking about game collecting right now. It's just us. <laughs> don't, yes. Don't, uh, a, don't try to fact check that at all. There's no video just... game collectors podcast besides <laughs> the Collector's Quest podcast. <laughs> there might be one. Maybe. Uh, to fill our, to, should we fill our audience in on that joke? Because I, I enjoyed that joke. Sure. Go ahead. Tell them. Yeah. A lot of people have a podcast. It's called the Video Games Collectors Podcast. Uh, it's hard to find because it's a terrible name, but it's on YouTube and has like 45 views. So I don't know. Uh, my, have you, did you guys listen to it? Because I, I have not listened to it yet. I have listened to it. And there is a piece in particular that is my absolute favorite thing. And I will like text Dennis about it till the end of time. Because there's a part where he's talking about how, like, basically brand saturation of Nintendo and Mario. And he goes, you know, anybody can sing you the jingle. And then he, like, or anyone can can hum the the intro. And then he tries and f***ing fails. And it's just... It's just a magical moment. Because he goes, he goes, you know, anyone could can, can hum you the jingle. Doot, doot, you know, whatever. <laughs> Oh my and god! I died. It is the best thing ever. Sorry. Yeah, no. I only listened to like half of it <laughs> so far. It, it so far it seems very introductory and uh, the, the type of stuff you would get from Dennis if you had a conversation with him and he talked about the aspects of games that make it uh, collectible and exciting and how things are going to change in the future. Um, but I like yeah, keeping tabs on this stuff, so I, I, I will also listen to that podcast. Also, there aren't any podcasts about video game collecting, so it's nice that there is one more. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what other like subsequent episodes are like, yeah. because as you mentioned, it was very t- top level and introductory. You know, they talked about themselves and their history a lot, but basically all of the it's funny you you say that you know should you should you have a conversation with Dennis, this is what he would talk about. When he had a conversation with us on this podcast, oh, exactly, he went over those exact same topics. So that's why I'm just—it'll uh, be interesting to see what he talks about once he gets away from the like single podcast content stuff. So he talked about three aspects when he was on our show, and then on his podcast now he has four aspects. He's added an aspect, and he was sad that he couldn't make them all one letter. And I think he made them all ours now, <laughs> and in like a super shitty doesn't make sense way. <laughs> but he's like relevance and relevance in this way um, yeah but you got those four hours way to go dennis you don't listen to the show <laughs> um anyway we were talking about super nintendo god we have we've i wanted to talk about the home improvement manual it just opens up and it says real men don't need manuals and there's no actual manual and that's very funny want to bring that up and then the last thing stefan your stupid barcode carts did you bring that up yeah, that's the- different from the not for resales that's the actual name here, uh, to, or the actual note here is Stefan's Stupid Barcode Carts. Um, uh, actually, I did a, a video on these. If you go in, on video on, on my YouTube, Archon 1981, and look at the library carts uh, video, uh, I'll teach you all about them. But essentially, uh, Nintendo, for many, many years, kept a internal physical library of every licensed game. And that was used for not only like gameplay counselors, but also like... 
anytime uh, I don't know a movie studio needed assets or or um, or like the team Nintendo people needed a game or something then they would just check it out of this library and these library carts have a very specific barcode on them um, so they're pretty easily identifiable if you are uh, if you know what you're looking for so I do suggest you go um, take a look at that video so that you know if you find one in the, in the wild that uh, it's it's a barcode that you should keep versus a barcode that you shouldn't keep um, and I will I would stress that to people in like the Washington area um, uh, like pink gorilla games I've chastised them before for removing those barcodes uh, but I love them uh, and so yeah so obviously where Nintendo is you're going to find the most of them in the wild but uh, I did want to bring that up as just kind of things to watch out for because I know there are a lot of people, especially the new blood, who wants their games as pristine <laughs> as possible and they want to they take off every f***ing sticker they can. And uh, so this particular barcode sticker is, it just signifies that it's something special, that it lived in the walls of Nintendo and it was used for official Nintendo stuffs. So maybe you don't want to remove that barcode. And if you do, I'm mad at you. Just to describe it from memory, I think it's a relatively long barcode, about a centimeter in width and has a kind of rounded bottom. Yep. And there's a there's a like an alphanumeric uh, serial number associated with it as well. So don't remove those barcodes. All right. This episode is getting long because we're the Collector's Quest podcast. Were there special editions on the SNES? No, nope. I don't think so. Uh, nope, maybe the PGC Maximum Carnage. Yeah. What's going on in the aftermarket with Homebrew? Uh, not much because SNES is a lot harder to develop for than NES. And despite that, just the fact that there's so much more power and so much more you have to do with graphics to make a nice looking SNES game compared to an NES game, a lot more power, uh, a lot more popular to make uh, Homebrew for older systems, I'll say. Uh, the big ones, uh, 8-Bit Xmas, there were two of them, I believe, in... Oh my God. 2012 and 13, I think. 12. I know 12 is one of them. Yeah. I'm going to say 12 and 13. Um, I can't even remember what the style of games are because people literally only get them to complete their 8-bit Xmas set. Uh, they're probably a couple hundred dollars each, but I don't think they're crazy. Um, Fork Parker's Crunch Out was a game made by Devolver Digital. It's bad. I have a review on my YouTube channel. Sydney Hunter is one of those homebrew games that's been ported to like every old platform ever. And SNES was just one stop on its uh, homebrew journey. Yu-Yu no, that Shuriken. was the original one. That was the when they were no, first Sydney developing Hunter it. That was, was a the... ColecoVision game, was it not? Uh, well, when they were first porting this out, like the first place they were, it was to Super Nintendo, and then through Kickstarter and other like achievements, it made it to other systems. But initially, it was just Super Nintendo. Oh, okay. And there was a gold cart and a blue cart, and then what? wrong carts went out to to backers. It was kind of a nightmare. And it took forever and ever and ever and ever as every kickstarter. You want to speak about this. forever? When was Sydney Hunter? Th- All right, so let's talk about Sydney Hunter. It's a it's a two D uh, platforming game. It's sort of like a it's an eight bit action adventure game. Uh, how long ago did this game come out? I've been waiting for the NES version of this game for a decade. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't think know. It's still the not Super out. Nintendo one came out like two years ago. Oh my god. So. And then I guess the only other thing that really matters is uh, Pico Interactive, they licensed and re-released some stuff uh, like Super Noah's Ark 3D and potentially some other stuff they've been. Also- and like Humans, that, uh- uh, you know, that w- like was released in PAL but never came over here. Um, now it's getting, you know, getting got a proper release. Guys, what was that hot, that yeah. hot garbage fighting game? Yeah, I was just about to out. think of that. I, I can't remember what that hot garbage fighting game was. Something Knights, something. Unholy Knight. 
Unholy, Unholy Night. Is, yeah, that game yep. sucks. Apparently made by SSX SNK developers who forgot how to make video games and was just a complete pile of garbage. Uh, my cartridge but, crashes because it's just like not a finished game. But what I think kind of stood out for me for that release was that it was like it was like mass market sold on Amazon. That that like yeah yeah that peaked my same really weird the, and Double Dragon Five or whatever. Super Return of Double Dragon Dragon was made by Retroism, uh, which is just a translation of the Super Famicom Super Double Dragon. I don't remember exactly what game that is because I don't care about Double Dragon. Uh, And then there's there's multi carts. What is it? There's the I. It's so late. It's like 3 a.m. Guys, the cavemen people. What are they? Joe and Mac. Joe and Mac. Mac, And then there's the the Joe and Mac collection with the special edition emulator console it comes with you know that's going to be rare we've definitely never got talked a special, about that before johnny definitely got a special oh, blue shell funny. gotta yes. go get that one with the ice blue shell uh, oh only comes God. with the uh with the uh console pack and there's also the um brawlers pack you know and um god what's the other one that they did i forget so so a know. key takeaway here you notice how tyler isn't excited about any of these and tyler loves aftermarket stuff that's because the snes aftermarket games pretty much all suck so also it's three in the morning that's true <laughs> the joe and mac collection is like a good collection you get joe and mac one and two and then you get congo's capers and if you look at the numbering system for joe and mac you will just like lose your mind and it's not named the same in pal as it is here it's it's ridiculous because congo's caper apparently is a joe and mac game the more you know. Great. There you go. J- Johnny, do you want to talk about any of these accessories? No. No. All the mm, accessories are There's a super scope. Basic. It's a light gun. There's a mouse. There's this super batter up is a baseball bat that is relatively easy to find sealed, um, at least when I was looking for them. The X-Band, I know you want to talk about it, Stefan. What's the X-Band? Yeah, the X-Band was just, it was, just, <laughs> it was a early online matchmaking system it was a, an actual piece of hardware it was a modem that plugged into your game and or into your console and very much like the uh, super nose arc 3d you put the cartridge in the that you want to play in the top there was a there was a very sh- uh, short list uh mortal kombat 2 comes to mind i'm sure one of the street fighters a couple of sports games weapon lord was specifically developed for it i believe yeah yeah it's true weapon lord was the, the the thing that I think is most interesting about this um, is, well, and also I think the, was it the Saturn modem? There was another, like, in the next generation, in like 30, in the 32-bit generation, one of the, like, the modem architectures for, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was either Saturn or Dreamcast, but, like, basically X-Band, like, made the modem for for another console as well the thing that i think is is most interesting about the x-band is that there's actually uh development being done against it today so there's people that are trying to uh take the architecture and adapt it to broadband and uh and do like a basically like a private server kind of thing uh to get the x-band uh working because at the time it was a subscription service not only was it a subscription service but you know you had to buy the modem then a subscription, and then also like whatever like long distance fee uh, that you had to to because they had like um, uh, a set amount of like phone numbers that you could dial into to access Xband, and um, and if, if if there wasn't one close to you, then you were hosed and you were playing uh, you were paying uh, long distance fees. So the Xband I think is 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 kind of an interesting footnote. Um, the only other. Um, accessory i want to talk about and it's not on this list is the i i referenced it earlier but the exercise bikes 
um, that the the exertainment exercise bikes. And the only reason why I really think those are important is when you are looking uh, for them, when you find them, sometimes so like these exercise bikes had the 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 gym quality one had an SNES in it, uh, and it had a monitor on board. And so a lot of times, if you find the the large uprights, uh, the bikes, uh, they will have the mountain bike speed racer or uh, speed racer mountain bike whatever the the expensive one <laughs> will be in that super mountain bike yeah. oh my god it's too late yeah. i can't even it will it will be in that super nintendo so so just know that uh, even if you don't want the bike uh sometimes you can find a two thousand dollar cartridge in it so or however I, much i want now. peloton to make an app and have an accessory where i can plug in uh, you know, just like a download, basically, and like play with a controller that I can finally play exertainment games. <laughs> well, that's like they they did an emu- a Virtual Boy emulator for the Oculus, and that's f-ing awesome. Yeah. So, like, come on, Peloton, Nordic Track, let's get on it. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, the two versions of that bike. There's a home. There's a home version and a and a gym quality version. So I did not know that. Do you know what? So something that sticks out to me about SNES is that the set is there's some stuff on the edges of the set, but a lot of the stuff that is off the beaten path, like the competition cards, especially like Campus Challenge or this stupid ass exercise bike. It's so rare or so big or so ridiculous that like even a person who usually goes above and beyond just like would not care about any of that garbage. I so don't you care, can... and I have, like, everything, and I'm like, I had a chance to buy the exercise bike twice, and I've passed out on it. Yeah, yeah. I passed a bunch of times, too, just because it's just, the footprint is just so big. Like, with, with NES, it's like, you can go, like, NES, you can go, like, I'm NES plus one collector, I'm an NES plus two collector. With SNES, it's like, I'm SNES, I'm SNES plus one, or I'm SNES plus 5,469. I'm going for everything. <laughs> and uh, speaking of, the one last thing I wanted to bring up, there's a Brazilian SNES gold controller, which I'm literally only bringing up because I know Super Nintendo has one, so we have to hype up how cool it is. Um, included in the 1998 World Cup edition of the Brazilian Super NES and uh, came with the International Superstar Soccer Deluxe as a pack-in. This was a contest prize, though. Um Oh, uh, that's my next sentence here. Given away as a prize for the Blockbuster Championships, perhaps the Blockbuster World Championships held in 1995. Uh, And all of that was just copy-pasted directly from SNES Central. But this is basically a regular-ass Super Nintendo controller that has been spray-painted gold, maybe? It is not a durable coating. If you use it, it will wear off. And uh, I guess notably there is one on eBay with two other regular SNES controllers listed for $64,000. Wow, those are some really expensive regular controllers. Yeah, those yeah. regular controllers help bring that cost down. That's just efficient. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, look out for really shitty looking gold NES control- SNES controllers, especially if you live in Brazil, I guess. Yep. All right. Uncommon games that aren't yet expensive. Uh, Super Nintendo, most of the uncommon stuff is that big middle ground, and it's all kind of, kind of expensive, relatively expensive anyways. Uh, but you might find like some of the Majesco white label stuff and Super Mario World, even though like I've been looking at sales, the nice copies are even getting up to five and six hundred dollars. So I think it's officially hit expensive, but it, it like you can still find it. It used to be just like a hundred dollar, two hundred dollar complete box. But um, 
Yeah, the black box one is going up. So I think if yeah. if we had a ten thousand dollar game draft instead of a one thousand dollar game draft, I think like a a nice copy of Super Mario World is still a game I would want in my collection. Me, too. I feel like we'd have to do a ten thousand dollar one if we did it now. <laughs> I know the whole point. The whole point of why I wanted to do a game draft was kind of to prove that you didn't have to have an astronomical budget to have a cool collection of video games. Well, I like I, keeping it to one thousand. Tyler and I talked about doing a revisit of it and just like looking at what the cost of our draft would be now, like re-examining the games we all picked and then like tallying it up now. So he want you wanted to do that because you know I would lose horribly because I wasn't collecting for future purposes. I was collecting to have all my favorite cartridges. I think it would be fun to illustrate how bad you lost, but yeah. <laughs> But I also think it would be interesting to see, like, what we took a thousand dollars in, and then, like, oh God, you can't actually do that. I think it's an interesting way to put perspective on what is exactly has happened in the market. Yeah, so let's do anyway. it for game draft. Let's do it. Yep. Um, so things to watch out for, guys. Uh, this is like repros and like the Pal Stadium events, which you could potentially mix up. We talked about some of these already. Four display only boxes, like they are just regular Super Nintendo, same box shape and everything, but it does have a red band. Also, there are repros of those boxes too, so be careful. Are you serious? On both. Yeah, there are, which oh. is like the dumbest shit ever. But most of them are new. Like, usually I see it on the Earthbound box, which is the repro, but you can find these. They're not too expensive. They're like 20 to $30, so if you want to like collect that set. But sometimes people will uh, try and sell you a CIB but it's in that not for resale box, uh, so just or for display only box. So be careful. Uh, Super Johnny, Noah's- hold. I want to give a tangential tip here that I just learned that no one else is going to care about. Um, for the uh, Atari Jaguar, there are readily avail- available brand new boxes and manuals that you can get um, from Atari distributors, uh, but they don't have this. There's a holographic sticker on them. Uh, specifically for Rayman, which is like a $300 game or something. Uh, So you can't just buy a cartridge and put it in that box. You need to get your Atari Jaguar games actually complete in box. Cool. That's my Atari public service. On the the Super Nintendo episode, glad we brought up Jaguar. (laughs) The set, you know, it's a nice contrast, really. The system everyone loves versus the system literally no one cares about. Nobody cares. Not even Stephanie. I think I'm going to get an Atari Jaguar, is what I'm trying to say. Are, I have one Atari Jaguar game, and it's the sealed copy of White Man Can't. I, I have a couple Atari Jaguar <laughs> games. I have an Atari Jaguar and the Atari Jaguar CD, both in box. If you need some Atari Jaguar stuff, hit me up. Hit me up. Happy to move them. Um, all right. Uh, other things to look out for. Inner trays of CIB games are you know, largely reproduced. You can tell that they are because the the original ones wrap all the way around. There's, you know, it's just a rectangle with uh, an inlay to put your game. Uh, and that's true for all of them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the reproductions are, you know, uh, it's like a, a bigger top end and then a cutout that the cart will fit in, but it doesn't like wrap around like where the board would be. So y- you can, it's very easy to tell them apart. Uh, so... I Wait, don't know. so are you saying that all the box, all the uh, trays that have kind of four sides to them, those are all originals and the repros are just the three-sided ones? Pretty sure. I mean, unless that was... I, I don't, don't... That ever, is not I don't true. Remember. I'm almost positive. 
I've n- I don't ever remember opening a Super Nintendo game and seeing a three sided tray. Now we have to look into it because I see I, like- I don't know enough about trays, but I know enough to know that I don't know enough, and this is a part of collecting SNES that stresses me out. Sounds like this is going to be an editor's note. Yep. Uh, no, like I don't I don't know enough. Like I thought there were games that did come in a three sided. Uh, maybe like maybe late ones. Like there's lots of weird revision. Like that Frogger has one where it's got like a a built in tray into it. There's a version that doesn't, and there's a version that does. So maybe Sweet. maybe like late releases, but I know like pretty much all the early releases. I, I mean, as a kid, I only had. X amount of games. So, and then when I started collecting, all of them came with those kind of trays. So it could be that maybe there were three side trays, or by the time I started noticing that there was just too many repros for me to uh, suss out the difference. That may be entirely true. Like you, that's what you I'm know, entirely if, worried about now. Like if I can't you, open if it you've anything. only seen them as an adult collector, then it's it's entirely possible that unless you're unless you opened a sealed game that had three sides, then yeah, um, yeah. Hmm. so. Hmm. so. Um, I mean, and I've been collecting Super Nintendo, like, as of 2004. So when I started collecting, you know, I didn't see those. Because I had lots of boxes without trays. Um, and then when I started to find trays, it was all reproductions. Even early reproduction trays. Um, anyways, uh, there's lots of repros for Black Box Super Mario World, so be careful of that. Back swaps is a big deal on Super Nintendo. Uh, you know, people try to clean them up and... The easiest way to usually tell a back swap is that the colors don't line up exactly right. So I don't you know, know about that. Uneven. There fitting. are cartridges yeah. that yellow differently for the front and back. Yeah, that, I, I would disagree with that as well. That's uh, not what I said. But, but listen, let me finish my point. The cut, like the grays. I'm not talking about the yellowing. I'm talking about the grays, like from the factories. Like when you see people do a bad job, your quickest tip is to look to see if those grays line up because if it is from the same factory and it has not been swapped, it will be the same gray. I'm not talking about the yellowing. Yellowing is a thing we're going to talk about at the very end, which happens to Super Nintendo and to be examined. Go ahead and interject anything else. Yep. So um, I think that the easiest way to tell is is if you can find a, um, so there's a, there's a factory code stamped into the back, physically stamped into the back of the, of every SNES game. Um, And so it's like just a a number, either a one or two digit number. And that corresponds to the actual factory that it was produced at. Um, So, I mean, if somebody swaps a back for another one of the same game or at least from, from another one of the same factory, like that's, much less of a big deal than if someone uh, mismatched the factory or mismatched uh, the label text because it does change a couple times. Um, but uh, so yeah, just find a copy, like look on the internet or ask people on a forum that you trust uh, what the factory code should be on the back and just make sure that yours has the same factory code and that's generally going to be okay. And I would bet that SNES Central has a list Pro- of those codes. Probably. If they've got everything. You sh- If you're collecting Super Nintendo, you should be there. So, um, especially if you're going hard at it. Other things to to look at is the re-release of Super Noah's Ark by Pico. Uh, it comes in a normal cartridge versus that like weird thing we were talking about, which needed a cartridge on top of it. Okay, um, and like we might as well get to the notes since we talked about it. Super Nintendo's cartridges and the systems do yellow. There are, there are ways and stuff to clean those. I don't know if that's bad for the system. I, I'm not advocating one way or another for that, but... It is a system that is highly prone to yellowing. Um, and they will yellow in different patterns, like sometimes just the, uh, 
the first, like the inner portion of the Super Nintendo, sometimes the whole thing, sometimes only the top, sometimes just the bottom. It, the yellowing patterns are very weird. And as Stefan was alluding to, sometimes the front will yellow, sometimes the back will yellow on a cart. And, you know, sometimes the whole thing will just yellow. Uh, not, also, not a good uh, uh, indicator. Yellowing is not caused by, but is it? It is also accelerated by by sunlight. So sometimes it's just a weird pattern. In that the Super Nintendo was sitting in the window shop for, or the the window of a shop for a long time, in a specific position, and you'll get some weird, uh, you know, casting pattern on it. Yep, and you can look up a uh, retro bright, which is a hydrogen peroxide based solution, which people use to reverse the yellowing. Uh, but it doesn't last forever, and I've heard it can make the plastic more brittle, but I don't like repeating things without knowing 100%. I know it can reverse, but I'm not sure if it makes the plastic more brittle. Yeah, that's what I I'm saying. I assume it does. That's why I'm not advocating one way or the other, because I don't know. Uh, like, anytime you take something out of a plastic, you know, you're removing something. You're, you're breaking something down. So I, I'm. Yeah. it's not it's not cleaning, because it's not just like cleaning the yellow off of it. You are fundamentally taking something out of the plastic. You're causing either a chemical change or uh, a removal. So I, I'm wary of that. But again, because I don't know enough, I'm not going to advocate, advocate for or against. Just throw I, out your yellow SNESs. Yeah. Just forget. There's or enough of them care. out there that aren't yellowed for whatever reason. So bromine uh, something, some of them don't have them, I guess. Uh, or right? just, uh, you know, find, find a uh, two and then cobble them together. Yeah. Get, get it. Or don't f- worry about it. How about that? Yeah, or that. So <laughs> what? Oh, it looks dirty, even though I know it's not. And I don't like it, Stefan. Guys, what is the current outlook for this system? Tell me how, and how do we play it? It's like the easiest and most effortless thing in literally the entire planet earth. Besides maybe the NES. You got the Super NT for Enthusiast, which is the FPGA fancy recreation by Analog, which uh, since coronavirus has been selling, by the way, for ridiculous prices on eBay. So if you have one and need like an extra four or $500, you might want to sell it. Uh, there's the SNES Classic for people who aren't crazy, which is only like $80. And it has that's uh, Nintendo's official emulator. And they've even just started selling those um, refurbished and I don't remember. I don't know how those come, but if you're one of those people who's a uh, collector of those Nintendo refurbished products, I think they're sixty dollars. So maybe pick that up. I will. Uh, I actually bought a couple. I bought one of each, so I will let you guys know what that how that turns out. All right. Yeah. And then uh, Messen uh, Messen S, I believe, is the uh, accurate emulator that people like to use. Uh, there's some older ones, but uh, I know Messen is really, really highly regarded for NES. So I assume their SNES one is also great. Okay. And then it's in the um, eShop and you can buy it on Virtual yeah, Console and, and, and get it when you subscribe to Nintendo Switch Online and these games are freaking everywhere. How they're bleeding out of my eyeballs. How are they, I'm surprised they're not on Steam. Super easy to play Super Nintendo games. Uh, very legally and cheaply if you are looking for them. And, you know, you uh, like a couple of the corner case games, your Metal Warriors and stuff that you got to get Again, products like the NT exist if you want to play them on a modern TV or go get yourself, uh, you know, a PVM or a CRT you found on someone's front yard. There's there's also um, the pretty big leaps forward recently in like cables for like like uh, component cables and, and such. They are not all, however, uh, the same quality. 
Uh, there is varying varying degrees of quality that produce varying degrees of lag. Um, the Rad 2X HDMI cable is very good, and uh, RetroTink also makes a component cable. Um, there's uh, so I actually I would just go over to head over. Uh, we name dropped it earlier in the show, but uh, RetroRGB. If you go over their site, they will uh, in in the various consoles they'll show you uh, what cables are uh, are the best to to buy. And Bob from RetroRPG does like crazy crazy in-depth breakdowns on uh on things like lag so i i would would trust his recommendation on cables okay quickly before we go guys and i don't know if you i because i had to step away for a moment but did you guys talk about super mario all-star versus super mario all-star with super mario world nope okay count it yeah it counts um okay (laughs) First off, there's two versions of Super Mario All-Stars. There's one that includes Super Mario World, one that doesn't. The one that includes Super Mario World does not have a box. It was a pack-in. So any box you find for it will be a repro. There is a box. There's a, there has a separate manual from the other Super Mario All-Stars. It's all different. So if you have Super Mario All-Stars, make sure you have the right manual. And it won't, it won't say Super Mario World. And it'll have Mario with like the top hat and the little rabbit ears. So it's pretty easy to tell. If you've got Super Mario All-Stars with Super Mario World, which is awesome to have because what a what a compilation of games right there. You get, you know, it says on the manual, the manual looks just like the label, but there is no box. There are lots of reproduction boxes for it out there. You can pick one up. I have one in my set just because I wanted all the games in the set to have a box. So same way I did Mario Duck Hunt. And games like that, this is one I I bought a fake box for just so it could live with all the other games in the set. All right, Johnny, I'm just going to go ahead and disagree. The console box is the box for Mario All-Stars Plus World. (laughs) Just like Super Mario Duck Hunt's box is an NES action set. Okay, cool. But (laughs) uh, you're not going to fit that next to all the games if you have all your games on the shelf and you want to just go. That's the box. I don't fit Miracle Piano on my Uh, shelf. It's just the way it is. Okay, well, I, I oh, took mine God. out and bought a repro box. Well, you can't go around telling people there's no box. It's not like it came no, in just well, like a bag. Shut up. Because there are They're, SNES games that came in bags. The Majesco White up, Label case. Shut up. They know what I mean. There's no... Just, there is dragging no standard. Out this podcast is already like the longest I'm podcast. Drag, I'm dragging it out. <laughs> I said Tyler. How I was call, talking you? to oh, myself I, as you. <laughs> oh. People are going to see like, oh my God, a three-hour SNES podcast. And they're going to like, this is what we're getting? Yeah. <laughs> there's some good info. Thanks for the... The commentary on Jaguar, that could have saved us five minutes. <laughs> yeah, God, Tyler. All right, guys, I suggest that we don't do what are we buying and what are we playing. No, we got to just get through it real quick. got to do it? Okay. Because otherwise Tyler. I'm, I'm going to have a bunch of stuff loaded up on the next episode. Okay. Uh, guys, let's move on to the second part of the show. Uh, you know, it's we've made it to the halfway second point. Second half? Yeah. We've made it to the half. <laughs> Welcome to the six-hour episode. We're definitely breaking <laughs> this into parts, right? No? Okay, good. Um, guys, what have you bought? What are you playing? If anything, Tyler, go ahead and go. Uh, I'm playing, or I played through Renegade, and that game is uh, absolutely awful. Uh, don't play Renegade. Uh, more exciting, though, um, I bought some Apple II games, Johnny, the five uh, five packing games that originally came with the Apple II on tape. Uh, Since I've got the microphone out for corrections already, I think these technically were packings with the Apple II Plus, but whatever, you don't care. That is so Uh, sexy. I just, I don't even know what to do right now. 
I, Tell me more about it. Uh, pretty exciting. Um, I really just wanted uh, lemonade, but uh, I, I did end up getting all five. And fun fact, I bought that the same day I listened to uh, Dennis's podcast, and he said, uh, no one cares about obscure Apple II games. That's not what video game collectors care about. And uh, it really validated how I'm collecting video games. Uh, no, um, more importantly than that, uh, one of the most exciting things I think in my collection, I got a Magnavox Odyssey run one and it looks brand new and I'm extremely excited to have it because, uh, I, I actually am kind of jazzed about that. Like the, you, sh- you showed pictures on, was it Instagram and mm-hmm. I'm couldn't be more I, bored. Couldn't, couldn't, Twitter pated. couldn't so, imagine myself being less interested in a thing, but go on. Oh my God. So a guy came to Game Teasy of all places, which if you don't know, which you slammed you in the earlier episode, it is a dead forum where nothing happens. And somehow this guy named like something 1972, uh, he found Game Teasy and he posts this like mint Magnavox Odyssey. I, it has components I've never seen before. So uh, the Magnavox Odyssey comes stacked on two layers of styrofoam. And in between the two styrofoam layers is like this really thin layer of styrofoam that goes between them. And I've never seen it before on any other Magnavox Odyssey. And all the components are still in the bags and all zip tied up, which is also uh, the baggies alone are super rare to see too. And I got it for like the price of a really nice uh, run one Magnavox Odyssey. There were two different production runs of the Magnavox Odyssey. Um, but, But like it looks brand new and... I'm freaking out because I love this stuff, Johnny. And even Stefan likes it. And Stefan doesn't even collect video games. So uh, That's true. Yeah. Although I did buy a couple of video games recently. Yeah, interesting. Did you buy anything else, Tyler? Or is that all you want to talk about? That That's what I wanted to talk about. All right. Uh, Stefan, what did you buy? Uh, uh, Game-wise, I actually have been kind of chipping away very slowly um, at my long box ps1 set like the stuff that i'm missing it just doesn't come up in long box or like just will be disc only or some so and like uh, everyone so, is collecting the long box set right now yeah ps1 yeah, is uh, fire right now i don't understand what the hell is going on so i got a copy of rayman which i was missing long box uh and i got a copy of uh nba jam te long box uh and then i picked up uh just sort of a target of opportunity this this like local collector was like uh getting rid of all his like signage and stuff so i ended up buying the coming soon go. sonic neon the the one that's like a dry erase board Here, this is the and, step and, and, i know <laughs> so it's, it's sort of i mean there's just displays it's not even like weird shit. um but the, the stuff the everybody soon has. The coming soon neon with the dry erase, um, and it's cool because it actually came in its shipping box and with like the original dry erase marker. Um, so that was kind of neat. And then uh, I bought that they're in badly bad need of uh, repainting, but I ended up buying the both the old the like the the super vintage Mario statue, the one that's like chubby and weirdly deformed. Uh, and then the slightly more modern. You one say that is not you say statues, but they're not really deformed. statues. They're like store displays like yeah they're 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 and they're they're not people like i think people assume that they're made out of plaster they're not they're like a vinyl um so you can totally pick one up by yourself and they're big how like about how tall are they so people know so like they they're like you say a statue i picture 12 to 16 inches this thing is much bigger no this is this is probably 50 inches just say three feet four feet they're big 
Four feet. They're like as tall as your child or bigger. They're bigger than your yeah. child. They're, 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 my profile picture right now on, on Facebook is Piper hugging one and, and she is dwarfed by it. There you go. And she is 40 inches. So, uh, yeah, the, the other stuff, um, I, I have some stuff in the works right now that I'm not going to talk about right now. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I bought. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. What did I buy? Hey, guys, I got my Rygar lenticulars. Did it. Yeah. Both did of it. them? Woo. Both of them. Guys, these are the set to get. Did uh, we even talk about this on the show yet? I, I don't know, but everyone's like seen the post, I think. But uh, anyways, Rygar on the PlayStation 2 had apparently a lenticular that was packed into the back behind the manual uh, that you could slide over the front cover and you have like a lentic, so you had a lenticular cover. Like most lenticulars are pasted on the front, and that's how you find it. This one was slid into the back. So I did not know about these. And then Tyler showed one, and I was like, "What the hell is this? I've had a complete Rygar for a long time because I I like Rygar. So I like when this game came out, I, I found like a, a used one. I went out and bought it, and then thought it was complete, never knowing there was a lenticular in there. It's not ma- mentioned on the packaging at all. Like so, this That's was like com- weird that it's not mentioned on the pack. It's, you think yeah. you like bonus insert for yeah. your game, make it look cool. It was like they made it and they were like trying to paste it on. They couldn't get it to work or they didn't have time. They're like, just shove it in with the manual and ship it. <laughs> That's probably what happened. Yeah. So like, there's no like if you didn't know this, like and I didn't, and I'm a person who is interested in one collecting games variants and also Rygar and owned Rygar, and I didn't know about this until last week. So. You know, I, I've known about this for a week for a game I've had for over a decade. So, uh, and then I went out, there's two versions there's two different lenticulars and no one mentions them. Cause like half the people selling it don't even realize that they're selling one with a lenticular. You have to like, it sticks out. It's bigger than the manual. So you can, if you're looking at where the manual is, you can kind of see, and it's like PlayStation two, like black border on top. You can, you can make out if you look carefully at pictures on eBay. So that's how you do it and do it because people and are starting it's, to it's catch fun on. to try to figure out which variant is the little bit sticking out. Oh, and that's how that's variant. how I did it because yeah. none of them were displayed and I had to be like, hmm, I think these are the two different ones. So that's what I spent my money on. I got them both, though. Did it. It could be because uh, it was all caps and the cat gamer on Instagram sent like at least four people to go immediately buy both of them on eBay. So all the obvious ones were snapped up. This is not rare or valuable at all. Uh, I got both of mine for under $25. Yeah. I'm sure you did not pay any more than that. No, I paid, I I can tell you, I paid, uh, for one, I paid $12 total that was shipped. And the other one, I paid $8.99. Yeah. So. They're cool. Everyone should buy them. And now we're going to spike the price and we should all pay $150 for the Rygar PS2 game. Well, and and that's the thing. Like, if you're collecting for PS2 at all, like, this is like a cool game that started, you know, well, I guess in arcades, but like the best version uh, is on NES. There's a Wii version. Like, Rygar is a, like, you know, a nostalgic title. It goes back to early 8-bit stuff. And somehow it's not like $100 on the PS2 or $50, which everything seems to be now. So this is like a, an easy, quick, cheap buy. Um, I also bought uh, a bunch of dumb like survival horror stuff and prepping for Halloween because it's that time of year. Uh, so I, Oh my God, it is that time of year. Yep, it's time to start purchasing. Um, oh so like I 
bought like Alone in the Dark. Like I, I targeted some PS2 stuff. I, I did get my Silent Hill. So I got a Silent Hill Shattered Memories. And then immediately someone contacted me from uh, Instagram and said, hey, I also have one, but mine is sealed. Would you like a sealed copy? And then the price was not much more than just a regular copy. So now I have two. So I have to decide what to do with that. Like, do I want to keep a didn't sealed you, one or what, what am I doing here? So didn't you recently also find like randomly find a copy of Obscure in your garage? I did find it like another expensive one. I was like, <laughs> I think I have that game. And it's like a 250. I'm like. Maybe like I just that was the, never a two hundred fifty dollar game. That no, it was like a twenty dollar game, and I guess it's been going up for a while. But it was not even a game on my radar because most of my like good PS two stuff I like brought in and put in the shame room, which is just a closet on the top of my stairs, um, where I've got a shelf in there. So I'm like, I'll put it in the shame room. But that one didn't even make it. It sat with the bulk PS. It was sitting with like ten versions of Guitar Hero. That's where it was, mm-hmm. but it, like I, I like because there's like four or five different PS2 boxes, like or some PS. I had to dig through a bunch of boxes to finally be like, like why does my list say I own this stupid game? And then finally, there it was, found it. So I bought like that. I bought like Run Like Hell. Um, I, I bought some stuff I'll show at Halloween and some stuff that hasn't come. But I also bought Soccer Kid for the GBA, which has the poster. Soccer Kid, if you don't know about it, is a hard to find game on the game boy advance it's just an annoying game um it's mediocre at best tyler i think you told me it used to be an amiga game or something it sure is an amiga game ported to everything there's a plush you can buy for it It's it's not included with it but there is a soccer boy plush and soccer boy is not like oh that's a cute thing it's like an ugly looking weird shaped kid yeah he's not nice to look at no so at like, all you're not like that's something i'd want a cute plush of Mm-mm. nope not at all it's not not nice looking anyways and then uh Spe- I've been- wait, speaking of a uh, super nintendo soccer kid is a platformer isn't it it is yes just it's not like a soccer- hurricanes what yes. is with soccer games that aren't soccer games i mean hurricanes and soccer kid might might be they might be like sisters uh games or whatever um, the other thing I've been doing, I, I didn't get to play much of anything lately because I've been going through all the Wii games. I like they weren't well cataloged and they weren't in any kind of alphabetic order. So I've been going through like the list to find out exactly what I need in case I ever defi- decide to finish this stupid set. Uh, and in so doing, I've since bought four Wii games, oh, bought a Wii game for the first time back since, on track. Uh, since like 2017, I, I purchased a Wii game. So here we are. I'm doing it again. I'm never going to play a video game ever again. I'm so busy with work. This is like literally sitting with you people is the only thing that I do for myself all week. Great. <laughs> I'm so sorry That's that we're at. sad. What about the World of Warcraft 7? It wants. I haven't oh. been playing. Hmm. What about the mounts? Don't you got to get mounts? Didn't they just release a new one? No, I, I hit. I got my I got my 400 achievement mount and then. I stopped. That's what the people wanted to know. All right. Uh, speaking yeah. of MMOs, uh, Soldier Boy has been streaming RuneScape on Twitch, and he's like seriously playing it. So if you want to watch some RuneScape, go watch Soldier Boy. Superman. Oh, okay. That's all I got on that. Guys, anything else? Did worth it. Uh, shout out to our buddy uh, CWR2 for his uh, new milestone in his Super Mario Duck Hunt 
uh, extravaganza. I think he's now up to like 300 and was it 380? I don't know. Like his like 340 or something. So many. He's got a lot of uh, Mario. 342. 342 Mario Duck. Is that a milestone? Well, it's yeah, it's a shelf. He's got a shelf built for it. And the number he wants just fills the 380. Yeah. Oh, okay. That is that is a perfect goal. I approve of that goal. He have he has the the complete set as he puts it is 380. (laughs) Yeah. People like how 38 more to go, buddy. We believe people ask him how'd you get to that number. He's like, that's how many will fit on the shelf. So that's the set number. (laughs) (laughs) That's so perfect. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to say that a couple of my Mario Duck hunts are in there. Some extra. (laughs) So that that's cool. Um, I am not mine anymore, but I helped contribute to that. So that's cool. And, um, you know, guys, before we get out, I do want to say like, uh, you know, if you live in Los Angeles, things are starting to like close down again or in California, if you're in any of the impacted States by uh, COVID, I'm not interested in the politics around COVID. If you think it's a hoax or anything like that, I don't really care. The reality is that businesses are shutting down again and, You know, it's really easy to go to eBay, but you still have a lot of uh, local sellers who, you know, are making efforts in their game shops to try and stay afloat. So remember them, give them a call. You've got places, you know, probably not too far from you, Tyler. I know you have some, some local shops. I know you like forgotten freshness and I just ordered something from them as well. So like, look to, to these people who could potentially get impacted, um, you know, before you go right to eBay, check them out. Uh, for me, it's like Lost Levels. They have two locations out here. And like I was looking for PS2 games. And so I, I hit them up, said, hey, show me what you got for PS2. And they were uh, gracious enough to send me some pictures and let me do my shopping you know, from my phone at home rather than me having to go down there or having to, uh, you know, if their shop has to close. So just a message to remember your local game shops in uh, these times. If everyone's going to be crazy at home buying games, then, you know, the least you could do is reach out to your local shops and and see if they can help you before you go right to eBay. Game Dude's website says they're open. Yeah, Game Dude's website says they're open, and I called, and it confirmed that they're open, but none of their price sheets are online. Mm. Yep, Save Point Video Games is open, too. Um, I asked him for a price. I, I thought I was trying to do the thing you're saying. I was trying to help them out and I was asking them to look at something I might have saw on Instagram and he didn't even get back to me. He said we were so slammed. I could not even respond to my messages. I'm like, all right, I guess you're doing all right with all these crazy people out there packing yeah. into video game shops that, during that, the COVID. Well, that's true because a lot of places reopened and then everything got crazy busy. But now we're hitting this like unfortunate like, well, Things are closing back down again. So if we get, you know, who knows how long that's going to last, but just check them out guys. Well, I think I said this message kind of uh, early into when this onslaught happened again, I don't care on political views. I don't care if you want to wear a mask or anything. That's not what this is about. The reality is things will get closed and uh, you know, you don't want your game store to go out of business. You will need them when things go back, when open back up. So try to remember them. That's all I got on that. Guys, anything else before we get out of here? Find us on Instagram. Rate us on iTunes. I'm so sorry. This show is three hours long, everybody. This might be the longest show ever. It is the longest one ever. God damn it. (laughs) Tyler, just don't... You know what? Just don't publish it. We're done. (laughs) Solid hour and a half, right, Johnny? I think I'm going to spend six (laughs) hours editing this show. I'm done. We're going to re-record this. We're going to wrap it up in an hour and a half. Just just put it out. Yeah. (laughs) 
remember I said it, we'd be done in an hour and a half, which guaranteed it would be double that time. Oh my God. I gave it the kiss of death right from the beginning. Just put it out raw. Now that we have a, a benchmark for what our competition is, then now No, we now we're off. the edited show and they're the, oh, we're just going to talk show because we're so good at talking. We don't even need to have to edit. See, I'm going to edit that out because I stumbled over that line and it sounded weird, Stefan. Let's end the show. Johnny, it's 3.07 a.m. <laughs> All right, guys. Do you want to tell them where we can find you on Instagram and the other places? Stefan, go. You can find me on places like the YouTubes uh, and the Instagrams at Archon1981, A-R-C-H-O-N-1981. You can also find me on Twitter at Art of NP, like Nintendo Power. Um, that's actually probably where I'm most active right now, so it's probably easiest to find me there. All right, Twitter is a cancerous butthole, and you should not go there. It is literally the worst place of social media right now. Uh, Tyler, where can we find you? Yep. Uh, I'm usually on Instagram and Video Game Sage. I am Default Gen. I also have a YouTube channel. Uh, I am an oasis of Twitter. Okay, cool. Um, my <laughs> name is Johnny underscore Ayuchi, and you can find me here on Instagram. I do have YouTube, but you will only see things like Harry Potter videos, which you probably don't care about because we got the new ornament. So someone asked me. I watched that. it. Did you? Yeah, a friend. The Harry Potter ornaments, and you put them together, and they recreate the movie scenes. Yep, they, where they just talk to each other. Yeah, they just talk to each other. So uh, a, <laughs> a friend neat. asked me to to see it, so I said, "All right, I'll like just they're already set up because my wife and I wanted to check them out." So I just set up the tripod and filmed a video, and then put it on my YouTube so they could watch it. So uh, I don't recommend my YouTube for video game content currently. There is some interesting old stuff that you might be interested in, but the new stuff it was like. Uh, me doing unpacking um, stuff for uh, my baby's nursery and shout out to super sparkster and his new little baby uh elizabeth oh yeah grace i believe is her name so congratulations to yeah. uh, uh super sparkster and family uh you know now that their little baby is home so that's all i got anything else tyler you where are we where are you johnny did arkanoid do it again ever come with the snes mouse oh my what are you doing right now tyler I'm just trying to make sure we didn't miss anything. <laughs> I don't. I have never seen one with with the mouse. Okay, that's our show. Okay, bye. <laughs> Wait, did we mention Player's Choice games this entire episode?